Hello there, Constable Steven. This is Inyash. Hey, Steven. This is Inyash. Or wait. Hey, Inyash. This is Steven. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so, Mr. Inyash trying to steal my identity, who has constable tized you and what for? Um, well, I mean, with the initiation of the Fourth Empire, I've been instituted as head constable of the handjob police. <laughs> awesome. It's a thankless so, job, but somebody's got to do it. What are your duties as the handjob constable? I'm so glad you asked. Uh, two two primary duties, obviously. Um, mm. Punishing uh, illicit blowjobs, or not blowjobs, handjobs, for one. Oh, oh okay. And uh, all, the other... handjobs require a license now? Yeah, well, and a fee, you know. And a fee, oh, yeah, that's true. Government's got to pay for these constables somehow. And, and if you're mishandling the equipment, that comes with a heavy <laughs> fine. Right. So we, we enforce those as well. We would not want to put people's genitals in danger by having unlicensed, just run-of-the-seat-of-the-pants operations out there. That's right. We need somebody, somebody in charge, and thankfully, you know, the the government, the Fourth Empire, had the the foresight to put together, you know, an actual concentrated effort on doing this properly. So more yes. power to us. So you're making sure there's no black market hand jobs, and what was the other one? Uh, punishing poorly con- poorly done ones. Oh, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, nice. All right. Well, I uh, I hope to make lots and lots of use of your services. <laughs> uh, me too. What is it that we do here when we're not um, policing the hand jobs? We are discussing uh, Alexander Wales' of serial Worth the Candle in our podcast, Not Everything is a Clue. Yes, uh, it's a fantastic web serial that we enjoy reading, and we are supporting Alexander Wales at his Patreon. And also, we have a Patreon of our own if you enjoyed this conversation and um, deconstruction. It's not really deconstruction, just this, this diving into it that we do every week. Uh, you can support us. We also kick back 15% of that to Alexander, and uh, we really appreciate your help. Yeah. Did you mention his his Patreon too? I did, yes. Oh, good. I started I was, with his. Oh, good. I pivoted to ours. I did it backwards from the normal the normal order. That threw me off, yeah. Yeah, yeah, me too. Well, you know, because I was thinking about that hand job so much, it was my mind was distracted. You know, I'm I'm glad that this podcast is opening and closing with talks of hand jobs. <laughs> Do you think we're gonna close with the, the hand job talk? Yeah, basically. It is kind of the last thing that happens, isn't it? Yeah. All right, cool. And last week it was boobs. All right, we're on, we're on a theme here. This is great. I This is a theme I can get behind. Yeah, me too. I can really get into this kind of thing. Yeah, I can I can really get behind this behind this. <laughs> that that was forced. They, you know, we'll get there. We'll find I, was trying to, I was trying to say the next one's going to be about butts, you know. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It was a stretch. No, no, no. But I mean, we'll see. Maybe the next one is about butts. Maybe. If only you could read my mind. Which brings me to the first bit of audience feedback. Ooh, okay. Uh, Fred LF was nice enough to do what, um, what I think it was Night Spacer. Uh, looked up half of it last week, and I'd never looked up any of it because for some reason I'm lazy. Um, <laughs> for some and, reason. Yeah, I, it's a mystery to me too. You're so um, busy policing all the hand jobs, dude. Yeah, you gotta rest when you get home. <laughs> um, Relaxing anyway. to a nice hand job. Right. Oh, wait, no, that was different. Who who pointed out the thing about the mind reading? Shoot. Well, Fred LF pointed out um, that right after he unlocks Threadbare in Chapter 136, it says that he went in and fixed his level up thing. Yeah. So it just says, some more debugging of my soul slash spirit. Let me fix that. The fact that it was that the value was ticking up. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, it was ticking up because I had the memory of ecstasy. That was easy enough to change. You know, so... It all happened really fast, and I, t- I just totally missed it. Um, yeah, it was all like basically the span of a paragraph, right? Yeah, 
Yeah, so he he gets the perk and then fixes it. I think I mean he fixes it in two sentences. So you know, more power to him. But yeah, I'm glad that it wasn't the whole ordeal and he was able to just like cut that right out. Be like, nope, done with this shit. Yeah, it went it went by fast. Yeah. Um, okay, so I believe I think it was in the first book. Um, so when I was like, oh, chapter one forty eight, uh, sing for your supper. That sounds so familiar from like Wheel of Time. Scott confirmed for me it was indeed chapter thirty one. I think of the first book. Oh, uh, this Scott being your brother, Scott? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, I, I besieged him at the end of the last episode to help me figure this out. And um, yeah, that one was uh, play for your supper. And I, I just remembered because they like actually have instruments that they took off this basically dead uh, or presumed dead. What do you call him? I want to say music hobo, but that's not what he was. Uh, <laughs> Minstrel? Basically, Bard? yeah. Bard, thank you. Okay. Yeah. Murder, murder, or... Uh, what did I say? <laughs> music hobo. Music hobos M- are much better than murder hobos. Music hobo. That sounds basically closer to what he, what he was too. So mm-hmm. um, they probably right. um, don't make as much, but live longer. Although I guess the wheel of time experience would say the opposite since they were abandoned murder hobos that lived and they found a music hobo that did not. <laughs> you know, I, I would expand on that, but I can't. So okay. um, lest I, you're like secretly some... none of them live to the end. Mwahaha. Exactly. Or they all live. Who knows? Um, yeah. all but right. they all turned into music hobos because they realized that was the only way to stay alive. Yes. That's that's the one true way. That and handjob blazing. Yeah. We're off to a you very know, strong start a, today. It'd be a better world if we were just playing music and giving handjobs, and that's that's all anyone had for had to do. You're not wrong. Yeah. Uh, I also had a thing to to throw out here before we begin. Uh, in the Discord, there was a lot of talk about people um, not quite understanding my time rewinding erasure kind of thing. So I wanted to clarify two quick things. The first one being that uh, I, I said it really briefly at the end of our conversation, and I probably should have stressed it more because we talked for such a long time before at the very end I turned around and agreed with you. But um, it... it I did actually uh, come to agree with you at the end that like actually the thing that happened in the Cypress timeline or things probably uh, did really happen and were morally relevant and important. So it's probably good. She didn't go on the whole crazy, you know, Nazi medical research, whatever thing she was thinking about maybe going on because uh, it, that, that suffering probably did actually exist. And uh, I'm glad she didn't go through with it. Um, so that, that was just the thing I needed to say that at the end you had convinced me and I very quickly acknowledged it and moved on because I did not want to be shamed by my, uh, defending the wrong side for so long. No, I, I didn't take it that way. I took it as, you know, 10 minutes was plenty. Um, yeah, you know, but no, that's, you know, I think there's a lot to explore there and one day we'll sit down for two hours and talk about the meaning of life and I'm sure it'll come up there too. Yeah. But the other thing was like, after going back and forth with a lot of people who were all still confused with what I was trying to say, I found one other way of possibly saying it, which maybe will make some sense to people. And I'm just going to throw it out here now that um, if uh, if people are familiar with the block universe theory, um, I can, I'll put a quick link in our show notes, but like in the whole 4D block of the universe that encompasses all the universe and all of time in one big block that you could look at, if you could look at it, and there is a space where the pain exists, uh, then it happened and it's morally relevant. Uh, but if it was, you know, erased, unwound, undone, so there's no place in the block universe where you can look and see that pain, then it didn't exist and it doesn't, that doesn't matter. Uh, is hopefully the most concise short way I can present it. And, uh, 
if that doesn't help enough, then I, I have run out of words and reached reached my limit of explaining things. I, I, we need to find a better explainer, or I, I need to be less wrong. Or, I mean, I, I've been in those situations before, too, where it's like, okay, I've talked myself blue in the face, and I feel like I've put this every which way I can. And I think I, I think I'm just done. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like either you get it or you don't. Like, it's 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 nothing against you. It's nothing against the topic. It's just I think I I think I said literally everything I can on it. So don't worry, I know where you're coming from. Okay, um, this would be easier if everyone could read your thoughts. Like Gorky confirmed that the DM can do to June. Uh, still, I mean, yeah, I I don't know how much he can read his thoughts. Maybe just like, well, the DM straight up says he does. So he could be lying. Um, yeah. It says that data would include your personal thoughts and feelings. Yes. Um, so that said, uh, I don't think I get credit for predicting that because it was actually in the book. Um, yeah. But, you know, at the very least, like I said, I believed that he, he got access to everything that's in June's soul because that's data that's, you know, revealed to him, right? Yeah. So that is that, publicly available to anyone that has access to June's soul. Yeah. And that would, you know, include things like his memories at least, but yeah, I think the thoughts are in there too. This guy okay. is, you know, fully in on it. Um, Damn it. Alas. Yeah. That's okay. Someday we will kill the DM. Yeah. That, that, that gives me some good vibes. Oh, good. Because that is the name of the next chapter. What a coincidence. <laughs> chapter 147, good vibrations where everybody is just kind of chilling out in Bethel. Yeah. She's, uh, taken to cooking breakfast. Um, Bethel is being chill. She, I, you know, she's turning stuff around in these chapters. Um, starting to like her a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I'm, her sense of humor is less murdery and more fun. Uh, mm-hmm. if I was a sentient house, one thing I'd like to do is be a really cool, like thing for all the houses are all the things the houses are supposed to do. Um, yeah. you know, you make food, you provide security, warmth, whatever, like houses don't usually make food though. No, but like the food stays there and a really, really good house would make your food. That's fair. Yeah. So she, she's been making food going so far as to pay local muggles to fetch ingredients. Um, and <laughs> there was this fun argument about whether or not like Harry's instructors would fit into Hogwarts houses because mm-hmm. Valencia is still tying everything to Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. But she's trying to insist that like, no, actually it might be important because he could have shown me any books, right? Yeah. She's like, oh, no, this is this is that narrative thing I'm talking about. This isn't me just obsessing with Harry Potter because I love it. This might actually be relevant. Do you I mean, technically, it is true that June could have showed her any books, but he showed her the Harry Potter books. Do you think that is relevant to the storyline at all? Or is it just something that we are all very familiar with and would relate to? I think it's more the latter. I mean, the other thing, too, is that Harry spent his first 12 years in a cupboard under the stairs. She spent her first 17 in a cage. Under the table. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so there's there's some parallels, um, mm-hmm. and that that's why I think he chose those over, say, I don't know, Hunger Games or something, right? Yeah, um, good point. So I, th- I think it's that. Um, Heshnell's all salty because J.K. Rowling, this author from Earth, makes the makes the Second Empire lackeys look like dipshits. <laughs> uh, the Death Eaters weren't nuanced enough. Uh, yeah, and uh, oh yeah, Lissy is waiting for June on his second day of college. Excuse me, Athenaeum. Mm. And I put, yay, sarcasm. <laughs> I Well, we'll get more into Lissy uh, when she comes up more. Uh, but in his first class, they bring out a big summoning circle pool of water thing uh, that you can basically 
put all of everybody's recorded work, well, not everybody's, all of one person's recorded works into and uh, get like a simulacrum of that person that is uh, simulated based on all those works. And they can like try to answer questions and stuff. And the thing that they do with that, of course, is summon Uther fucking Pendrag uh, to talk to the class. And it's awesome. And like for a moment, I thought there was going to be something similar enough to Uther that John could interact with it, but it turns out to be really more of a kind of projection than uh, on a wall than anything. I had my fingers crossed for two seconds that he, that the thing was going to be like June Raymer, but yeah, no, <laughs> what are you guys doing here? Yeah. It's just like a talking version of all the books. I mean, it's yeah. cool. Right. But my first thought was, was like, Oh man, we got to steal this thing and take it. Well, not to Bethel. Cause she would totally, you know, murder the hell out of any sort of, you know, Uther shade. Um, but take it so we can go summon Uther, but they're going to just do that in class for me. So yeah, <laughs> um, it was great. Yeah. Uh, great. it was, it was kind of bummer. Like I said, that it, it didn't have any sort of seeming intelligence to it. Um, yeah. I also kind of wonder what happened if you put another book next to it, like, or what if there was a book that was like misattributed to the author? Maybe it just makes a mind out of all the books that it, it's near. Huh? And, if you put all of Uther's books next to it, it talks like Uther. Yeah. But if you dropped like, I don't know, the Harry Potter books, not the Harold Plotter ones, it would yeah. mention Hogwarts. Yeah, that would, I don't know. That could be really cool. That'd be fun. We should just drop every book on Arab in there and see what massive Ultramind comes out of it. Yeah. I mean, Although I'm not sure there. it works like that. Maybe, maybe it sorts them by author name or something. You can only pull one at a time. And maybe there's an upper limit or something, but mm. it'd be kind of fun if you ask it a question, but like there's two authors that disagree. Yeah. Anyway. There was uh, this, this note, like since when we realize immediately that it's not actually Uther, June says, I still missed him. Maybe he was a monster and maybe the memories were a bit tainted, but I still missed him, which was nice to hear because we've been kind of pulling the other way for quite a while and having him reaffirm that he's still still Mrs. Uther and does want to see him again was, it was nice to hear. And I hope, hope June hangs in there. Me too. I was, I was glad to see this. I think that it came at just like the right time. Cause it'd been, you know, long enough. I just finished listening to last week's episode and he had mentioned like as a side goal, he wants to find Uther cause it could help, you know, the rest of the, the of his goals. And I'm like, don't sideline him, man. That sucks. And it sounds like he's disenchanted, you know, He's come to be disenchanted about Uther not being his friend Arthur and stuff, but mm. he still misses him. And that's all I wanted to hear. And he's still going to look for him, I think. Yeah. And uh, the the lecture from Uther about vibration magic is cut short because the TA bitch is uh, ruining the lesson for for June by like yeah. not projecting or either not projecting to or blocking the sound from his desk in particular. I, I think she's specifically singling him out to get the sound blocked to him. Yeah, I think you're right. It's total bullshit. What's what's great is like again, if you know, he could be a Renaissance that got hit by a now you're you know human colored curse, right? Mm-hmm. And so, for all she knows, she's bullying some crippled kid who's just not visibly crippled enough to fit into their special club. Mm-hmm. And she just sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and like she she now at least has reason to suspect that he's here on a mission from the Empire or something. And she's fucking up with his spy work and she just, she doesn't care. I, so later on you get into really hating Lissy and I think it'll be really exciting to talk about that. But I, I despise Jif so much. And it's crazy that 
I've managed to hate her so much just over the course of two chapters, like two interactions with her. And I, like the first time we bumped into her, I really kind of hoped June would kill her. And now I think <laughs> June really missed a chance by not killing her earlier. And I really, really hope he kills her at some time, which is, I don't know. It's, it's, it's something about it. Like just bloodlust me this sort of, of petty tyranny that i want to see it punished i mean i know she's not objectively she's not as bad as like bethel or something but i i just despise her i want her to be removed from existence and i'm not sorry for it i think what it is is like bethel's only like one percent as evil as she could be Mm -hmm. whereas jiff is like 90 percent as evil as she could be Mm-hmm. which is still well under Bethel's like 5%, but like, that's not the point. The idea is that she's trying really hard to be as big a bitch as possible. Yes. She, and yeah. And if yeah. she has every single tiny schmidt of power that she gets, she immediately uses just to fuck with people and make life worse for them and make society around her worse. And you know that any little advantage she gets will always be used to the detriment of everybody aside from maybe her personal pets that she she wants to reward and i just i i despise her and also her name is the mispronunciation of gif which i'm sure alexander wales did on purpose because everybody hates the wrong pronunciation of that word and so this is another way to make us hate her i hadn't actually said her name like when i read in my head i don't pronounce names yeah, me neither. Um, but it wasn't until I said it out loud just now that I noticed that. And yeah, it, it jumped out at me as it was crossing my lips. So I'm glad that you noticed too. Yeah, yeah. She, she she is the wrong version, um, which is kind of funny because I think that that's actually just true of her as a person. We meet her twin later, and apparently there might have been some misfiring when they – because they're supposed to be like exact duplicates. Well, no, they're supposed to be, get, um, be half – two halves of the – what puts oh, that's on right. them. Yeah, but they but aren't they, like they, they like amounts to being close or something. Yeah, like if you could recombine them, they would be the same person, but they don't get exactly even split of all traits. It, it's uh, kind of randomly what goes where. But apparently, this one was a misfire, and I think I think Jeff is just like this, you know, evil. I don't you know, think half person. One, no, I think when she said what a misfire is, is when one of them dies. Maybe. So this wouldn't be a misfire. This might just be a more extreme end of the who gets what scale. A bad luck, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, so, she, I, so basically he's sitting there trying to work out, like, why can't I hear what's going on? And first he thought it was an attack, but then it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, the so he, he starts thinking, like, what am I supposed to do about this exactly? Like, do I challenge her? Do I take it to the dean? And he, he gets the thing, like, this is a challenge to what I'm doing here at the school at any rate. It's like an obstacle put in front of me by, I don't know, by the narrative, by the DM, by the world, whatever. And uh, if he failed at the challenge, there'd probably be some kind of consequences. Um, And maybe there was a second chance, they'd get a second chance or whatever, but there had to be some stakes to a challenge because otherwise what's even the point of presenting your player with the challenge. And since he knows the DM thinks like he does in in reg- certain regards, that that's what he would have done too. Uh, so he's like, I I can't just ignore this. I'll be punished if I just ignore this. The same way I would punish a a player that I put a challenge in front of them and they don't try to don't try to react to it at all. Um, and I thought that this was really this was interesting to me because 
we haven't talked about the meta level of this fic for a while, and this kind of just refocused it to, on on that aspect for me. That um, like he knows that this challenge is uh, important because he is the protagonist, and anything that is a, a challenge to him is probably put there by the DM, and the DM wants to see what his reaction will be, and so it can't be nothing. Uh, we as the readers know that this is the case because it's in the text if the challenge wasn't important in some way then it wouldn't be in the text at all because you know authors don't have infinite words to faff about on just all the dumb little shit that happens in life tell Um, that to robert jordan (laughs) (laughs) good authors don't have infinite words to faff about on all the dumb little shit that happens in life and so him knowing i I know shots fired uh so i I fired him he's great Uh, the, the world is great the story is great the storytelling leaves some to be desired. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so, so just, just the fact that it's in the text lets us know that it's important in some way, uh, or it would have been skipped past just like every time anyone goes to the bathroom. Like if you have a character actually going to the bathroom in a movie or in a book or something, you know, something's about to happen in that bathroom. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. it, It was interesting how his thinking on this, that this is an intentional challenge he has to rise to meet just mirrors are knowing that this is something important and, and he, we wouldn't be reading it if it was nothing. It is fun. And, you know, it's like I mentioned Robert Jordan. And if someone doesn't know, he's the guy who wrote wheel of time. Like those books could have been shorter. I'm sure people went to the bathroom in those. I can't remember, but like, I remember the one time someone uses a lavatory of, Oh wait, no. Yeah. A couple times anyone uses a bathroom in Harry Potter one, they discover morning Myrtle. And another, Harry's taking a bath in the fourth book, and he tests out opening the egg underwater for the Triwizard Tournament, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. no no one has, does hygiene unless it's plot-related. Um, right. The What's fun about this is, like, he's having those thoughts. It's meta enough. And, you know, is the this is dangerously close to him living his life on narrative. Um, mm-hmm. what, what's fun about it is, I don't know if he actually thought that, like, oh, no, I don't want the DM to punish me if I don't do something about this because that's not how he's trying to live his life. I think what it was is at first he's like, all right, whatever. This this bitch is trying to ruin my lesson. Fine. I've already read all Luther's books and it's not really him. So I won't give her the satisfaction. And then yeah. he's sitting there kind of like, okay, I'm getting bored. This bitch is still keeping it up. I've been cool about it for five whole minutes and just like <laughs> talking himself into revenge. And I was like, I can kind of relate mm. to that. Uh, and okay. he, he doesn't have to, he doesn't actually resort to revenge. What he does is like, he gets to resort to like, screw you. I'm listening anyway. Yeah. You know, all I had to do was get bonitis, but like, <laughs> but that's you know, a temporary condition for me. Yeah. Luckily that's no big deal for me anymore. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know how far along in her education GIF is, but like she might've known that, yeah, if he has enough bones to burn mental stats of, he can hear, but, or whatever. Well, like he would have to be wearing bones and burning them in class. So. Exactly. So she's like, yeah. oh, yeah, sure. If he wants to give himself bone ideas, he can hear the lesson, right? <laughs> and he gets to be, you know, what he should have done is like raise his hand, ask a question, like, like, and respond to something. Oh, that would have been cool. That would have been the cattiness level. That would have made the whole endeavor of figuring out the solution worthwhile to me. Totally. Oh, the missed opportunity, June. Yeah. Maybe he'll get a chance to show her up one of these times. I mean, or kill what, her. It's only been two days of classes, right? Uh, yeah. Jeez, and he's got three more before he gets his. You know, I wonder if that week of meditation is going to be relaxing, or if it's going to go by quickly, or if he's going to have to fight like Freddy Krueger or something. Um, I I guess we'll find out in the near to mid future. We will. Yeah. 
Uh, but before that, uh, this is, um, we are told that the primary purpose of all the coursework, uh, when he's, this is when he's talking with Lissy and, uh, she's like, I don't know why they don't just train us in skills, why they don't have basically a coding boot camp, uh, where you can learn the magic, uh, you you instead you're forced to go to the you know four year college degree in computer science and then probably two year graduate degree afterwards in computer science uh, to learn Java or whatever uh, and they're talking about this and they, they basically both uh, agree that the primary the primary purpose of all the coursework is to deter people from classes to you know limit who ends up being a mage just by making it so damn onerous that not everybody goes through the whole process. Or worse, as Ermitor explicitly stated, Ermitor? Is that the way? Yeah, I'm going to go with Ermitor for her name. Explicitly stated, to instill a culture in graduates. And that or worse thing kind of got me because I used to think that like that was a a large part of the purposes of colleges and that that's great. That um, there are some cultures that are better than others and... We want to spread the better ones. And importantly, even if they aren't like the best cultures in the world, just knowing that everybody coming out of the the college system has a similar culture makes working uh makes work environments much easier because you know everyone that's uh, everyone else in your office has that same sort of culture and upbringing and it makes it, it makes a lot of the social interaction easier. It greases a lot of the the dynamics between people but but now i think that's a terrible thing about colleges that they spend so much of your life and time and uh resources just forcing a culture onto you which i don't even think is that great of a culture anymore i feel like a lot of it has kind of gotten hijacked and corrupted and the culture is kind of shitty at this point and and now I really feel for the people back when I was a teen who were like, you you shouldn't go to college because that's Satan's way of tempting you away from the path of God. And at the time I was like, good. But now I'm like, yeah, I guess it, it literally is trying to instill a culture in other people. And I can understand how people who think that that culture is hostile to them would be against that. And by itself, that's kind of already kind of crappy. But like the fact that much of the economy, especially the higher paying parts of the economy is gated behind this four years cultural blitzkrieg you have to go through is, is kind of shitty. Like I, it wouldn't be as bad if you could still get a decent job, um, in, in higher intellectual level positions without having to go through this, but you just, you can't anymore. Fuck. You even need college degrees for things that shouldn't require any college at all. Uh, in in a lot of places, yeah. Is that I mean, not bullshit? I, I took it another way. Like, okay, you know, there. It's true that like it's hard to it's hard but not impossible to go through college and like still believe the Earth is ten thousand years old and evolution's a trick or something, right? But I mean, but uh, not even just the scientific questions, just the general culture and cultural attitudes between the uh, between the various classes. Well, you imagine like the the people were you know saying, oh, it's Satan's way or whatever. Um, yeah, that, that was what jumped out most to me, especially at that age, since there was still the atheism wars going on then. No, totally. It, yeah, it's much more than just that. Yeah. I mean, I, I looked at it from the other side, which I think June put or worse because he sees it as pointless. But mm. like, you know, you don't want a bunch of people coming out of your, you know, vibration and still mages are stupid strong. Yeah. Um, 
you don't want a bunch of drunken frat boys coming out of this, being able to, you know, scream walls into dust and, you know, shout people's heads off. Right. <laughs> so like, I, th- I think that it's like, no, you guys are going to come out of here, you know, in the tradition of wise old wizards or something. Right. Yeah. And I do think that there's value in that. Like, it's not so much about like the culture war nonsense. And, I, and to that extent too, I don't even know in, in real life how much colleges are about that. They've become about that, but I don't think it's the college's fault. I think it's like kind of against the college's wishes. I think colleges have always been about instilling a certain culture and just what that culture is has become much worse over the past decade or two. I guess, and you know, I'm not an expert on how the history of these things worked out, but I, I think that the the culture that's coming out of colleges now, like the one that none of us like, um, yeah. you know, where everyone's afraid of everybody and whatever, I think that's happening in spite of college of like the institution's best efforts, not like because of them. Even so, there's there was always like a part of the culture uh, of colleges was a sort of idea of um, that the way the blue-blooded upper classes look at things is the correct way to look at things. And loyalty clan-based cultures are bad and should be derided. And I don't think that's wrong necessarily, but I also am understanding of people who were to come from that culture being upset that their family and their way of way of life is like shit on so much. Yeah. I totally see where you're coming from. I think. And I, I don't think you're wrong either. It's, it's interesting to try and parse exactly what the issue is here for June, but you know, at the very least he has to just suck it up for a week. So he's not, he's not going to suffer too much. No, no, he's not. It's, it's everybody else. You know, exactly. us poor saps here on earth. But yeah, the but. ones stuck here having to go through this split screen. <laughs> uh, all right. What he does have to suffer through is, I think, actually worse <laughs> than, than whatever do tell. whatever nightmare, hellscape, you know, cultural blitzkrieg he could do endure at college. No, he's got this entitled uppity princess all up in his shit, nonstop. Okay. Rudely demanding that he, you know, kiss her feet and thank him for the privilege or thank her for the privilege. You know, like she she wants him to touch base with his with his people back at home. And he's like later and she's like, Parsons voice can be used indoors. And it, he's like, I know. And he's like, I mean, how could he not know that bitch? I'm going to the tattoo. Um, yeah. He's like security concerns, which I have to think you're, you're aware of. And she's like, ah, eavesdropping. You still haven't explained who you are. And he's like, yeah, good God, security. It's, you know, do you not understand how this works? And uh-huh. I just, she, I, I'm only reading that whole thing. Cause I, I liked my, my response to this. I said that she keeps demanding she keeps making demands of him and just being gobsmacked that he won't immediately fall to his knees and comply. I wonder if she'll get knocked off her high horse. A fall from that height might kill her. (laughs) I, I have a very different read on her when I think of like entitled nobility that thinks they, uh, they should get whatever they ask. I think more like Amaryllis and like Lissy to me seems like someone who literally does not get the whole diplomacy thing. She just speaks exactly what she's thinking and um, and is completely direct and honest because she doesn't understand about social niceties and being polite and stuff. No, she doesn't understand those because she was raised, you know, in princess school and, you know, in her... Yeah, but princess, part of princess school is teaching you how to manipulate people by being, you know, falsely polite and shit. Well, as she acknowledged, she's like, no, I'm a psychopath. I, I only understand violence and getting yes. my way. And yes, she has mental issues and she knows it. Well, 
it doesn't make her less annoying. If anything, it makes her more dangerous. She's just, you know, her, her solution to like knowing that she has violent tendencies isn't to like control them. It's to empower them by learning very destructive magic. I, I think that if you know you're a, a serial killer, the best thing you can do is hone your or is, uh, sate your serial killer appetites by hunting down other serial killers. Mm. <laughs> if, if we're going to use a, a pop culture example, like Dexter did the best possible thing by becoming a serial killer of serial killers, right? And, and she's doing the same kind of thing. I don't have the impression that she's going to serial kill serial killers. I think she's going to kill whoever doesn't, you know, answer her questions fast enough. Uh, I don't know. I get much more of a Draco Malfoy vibe from her than I do from Amaryllis. I'm surprised that you think Amaryllis is the entitled one. Uh, Amaryllis is much better at diplomacy. I I mean, that's an understatement. Amaryllis even knows diplomacy exists and what it means. And Lissy does not. Where um, Amaryllis, I mean, entitled is a difficult thing to say because she understands the realities of the world. So she's not like entitled, entitled, like when we think of the typical out-of-touch nobles. But like Lissy... I could see her being exactly the same if she had no shred of power whatsoever. And I mean, she almost has no shred of power, right? Like she has the Pendrake name, but she's so far down the line that she might as well be a butler. Uh, she, she has no power compared to her kins, her, her family, but to the average muggle, she's used to them being like, Oh my God, Pendrag. I'm so sorry, ma'am. Um, I, you know, the fact that she's like surprised, he doesn't respond to stuff like that. That means that she's been going her whole life with people doing that for her right or she's just really dumb and for the last 20 years people have been like why are you being so demanding what makes you think you're so entitled and she's never caught on right i think it's the second one yeah i think Eh. is that she just doesn't have any any natural empathy and people have not it it hasn't been beaten into her the way it is for most people uh in the real world and on air i imagine uh to find a way to fake it i don't i don't think that it needs like beating into people to fake it. Like most people like understand people's boundaries and privacy and understand that they don't own people's lives. Right. Oh yeah. Like, so she she wants to know by what authority he's keeping secrets from her. And it's like, by fuck you. Um, (laughs) No, but I mean, it was literally a a question. She's like, by what authority? Because I have certain clearances. So if it's by this authority, then you can tell me like she, she just is requesting information because maybe she can, uh, she can be privy to it anyway. Because no one's ever told her no before is my, my is my reading on it. Well, I uh, mean, she she probably would ask and people would say by orange level clearance. And she's like, oh, I have red level clearance. You can tell me. Or, or you know, be like the ultraviolet level clearance. She's like, oh, I only have red level clearance. Never mind. I I think that if she if if the clearance levels didn't count, she or if she wasn't high enough, she'd be like, well, actually, I think I'm still I still am worth hearing it. Like, I might be wrong. I like how you're reading her. Like kind of like a, you know. A, a socially naive Hermione. Um, yeah. She but, strikes me like as a literal sociopath where she just, she would be like, Oh, that's your clearance level. Okay. never mind. Like, I think she would accept that and not realize that most people would be like, what the fuck? That was weird, man. No, I think that she's the kind of sociopath who would hear that and say, well, forget it. Then let me find another way to get the information out of you. You know? Mm. Um, I, I don't know. I, she, she, like I said, she gives me much more Draco Malfoy vibes than, than Amaryllis. And the fun thing is like, maybe the only difference is that Amaryllis is, uh, you know, got an A plus in diplomacy, but that actually makes a big difference. Yes. The way you get really good at, good at it is by actually realizing other people actually matter. And That's true. She, but we, we've been inside I, her head and that is, that is how she runs. You know, the thing I like about Lissy is that she is, since she's so bad at diplomacy, 
She's like like the Anya character from Buffy or or Data from Star Trek. She just she can't really lie, and uh, that makes her incredibly abrasive uh, often. But it also means that like at least you're always getting her direct, honest take. She's not lying to you. She's not trying to manipulate you. She's just really that socially dumb. And there's something very refreshing about that level of honesty, in my opinion. Being I'm, like, yeah, I'm, I'm a psycho. I'm good at killing people. You know, that that's me. Like, that, that, I, I like that level of self-awareness <laughs> and openness. I like your read on it because it's, it's, it puts you in a better mood than it puts me in. I mean, I, I read her, you know, like, you know, like Harry in his worst moments, you know, is kind of like most obnoxious. If he was like that when he was 18, you're like, come on, man, grow out of that shit. You know, mm-hmm. like that's, that's more where I'm picturing her. Um, yeah. You know, she, she won't let somebody in front of her at the grocery store without saying, well, hold on, what's in it for me? Right. Um, which is, you know, just, <laughs> which is actually probably what she would do. Yeah. Yeah. It's exactly what she She'd would be do. like. I have this position. I've been waiting here. If you want it, what is, what is in it for me? Well, actually she'd, probably, not she'd probably just go straight to the front and say, you know, what makes you think that you should be in front of me? Nothing. Great. Well, I'm going to be in front of you then. Uh, you know, she's, she's the kind of psychopath that would cut in line for sure. In fact, you, we, we're hundred percent sure she, she's pissed that she has to go to school like a muggle. You know? Well, I mean, no, she's pissed that someone else is cutting in line in front of her. Like, that's the thing. She is following the rules and she's been following them very studiously. But, but his, unlike the, the cutting in line at the store, his getting in front of her doesn't actually slow her down, right? No, but she, you know, which, she which is what makes somebody cut in front of you at the store annoying. I, I don't know. Like, I mean, that is certainly adding insult to the injury, but what always bothers me about someone cutting in line is that they fucking broke the rules and you can't do that because then there are no rules anymore. And it's just anarchy and chaos. And whoever is the best at beating people up gets to check out first, you know, you know, we're living in a society. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I'm the only one who cares about the rules here. (laughs) This isn't fucking non. There are rules. (laughs) (laughs) Market a zero Donnie. But yeah, no, that, that, that's exactly the thing. That's what pisses me off. Like the fact that I may lose a minute is not nearly as big a deal as the fact that people are just like, oh yeah, I, I can just cut in front of the line. So that's a, uh, I, I assume that is also what pissed her off. Could be. All right. We've got actually three more examples of psychopaths that I'll pull out real fast. One after Excellent. Another. Let's do it. Um, our forearmed professor Quirrell, I forget his name, Oberlin. Um, yeah. He's just like, all right, what I'm going to show you today will be gruesome by almost any reasonable standard. And he's like, yep, there's uh, you can you can still change classes by the end of the week. And if you want to stick around, well, there's therapy sessions that are available to students. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, damn, this guy does not pull his punches. Uh Uh, Pun intended. I Uh, know. Yeah. Uh, I I, I decided not to comment. He's got one of those bobs that like you buy at the store to practice hitting with a stick or punching. But this one's like, these are like alive and they seem to breathe and not want to be killed. Mm. And he's just. Well, no, no, no. They never say they don't want to be killed. They just have the normal reactions someone does to getting stabbed. Right. And I think one was like cowering or something, wasn't it? Or maybe maybe. it was breathing. I can't remember. Yeah, it was definitely breathing or trying to breathe. It was choking on its uh, own fluids when his lung was punctured. It seems like, I mean, I don't know. They're they're probably more lifelike than they have to be. I'm imagining that this is some obviously horrific thing where it's like. Uh, it does simulate real pain and suffering for like the purpose of this, this practice dummy. Huh? Um, okay. Just cause why wouldn't it be evil? You know, that's um, a good point. And that uh, had not occurred to me, but I, I guess that could be a thing. Yeah. It's gotta be horrifying. Um, <laughs> so it, it, 
he he goes on to murder this thing a few times in such a brutal fashion that like Raymer is green around the gills and Lissy is just listening with rapt attention and mm-hmm. just stoked on it. I mean, she's got she's on par with Bethel's psychopathy. I think she's actually passing it. Um and I I'm curious about Oberlin here. He says, you know, I forget what he's talking about, but he's saying third, it should be fairly obvious that this requires a secondary method of either incapacitation or murder. Oh yeah, it's the um like shouting somebody into like uh confusion or something. like I think like deafening them or whatever. Whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. It was like serious ear pain and they like get distracted by it and go like ah ha, ha, and grab their head. Right. So he says either incapacitation or murder. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you should say or killing. You know, if you're going to pretend like we're doing this for the military, right? That's true. I think he's intentionally trying to shock the audience at yeah. that point. But but then he's just as representative of the school. And this goes against any, cult, you know, school culture I would want if I was yeah. the dean at this Athenaeum of like, yeah, we're training a bunch of murderers. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one thing to say we're training a bunch of violent soldiers. You know, that just makes them good at their jobs. But, you know, he's like, yeah, you're not here. If you do it this way, you're going to have to run up and stab him in the face, you know it it's he's uh he's hardcore um i don't okay real quick going back to like lissy uh i acknowledge again that she does not have regular human emotions uh people in like our bramer and june were both kind of squicked out by seeing what looked like a normal person getting butchered uh on the floor there but like oberlin certainly doesn't treat it like this is a a sentient being that feels pain it's just a ultra realistic beat-up dummy and I think Lissy just kind of took him at his word there that this is not a thing that feels pain. It's just an ultra realistic target dummy. And so she doesn't feel empathy. She doesn't have the instinctual um, ick reaction that normal humans do because, again, she's probably some sort of psychopath damaged person. But I don't think that makes her evil. It just makes her missing a certain emotion that most humans have. I mean, it makes her not evil in the same way that Voldemort wasn't evil. Um, no, Voldemort was evil because what was the what was the key difference? People. Well, because he tortured people and killed them. Yeah, once once she graduates, she's going to have the power to do that. Yeah, but just watching that happen, like we watch people getting exploded on screen all the time and in ultra realistic detail nowadays. Eh, less realistic because we're not grossed out by it. Whereas, like you know, if if. Uh, you may not be grossed out by it because you have been hardened against it through decades of watching people slaughtered in ultra realistic detail on screen. No, if I see somebody somebody slip and fall in real life or like somebody bleeding, I I get nervous and scared for their safety. Right. But that's, you're not scared of the screen murder because you know, it's fake, but it still looks very realistic. Eh, fair. She's like, this looks very realistic, but I know it's fake. It could be, you know, I, I think her, a typical reaction is evidence of her, uh, you know, it, it's the kind of thing where like I use Dexter as an example, mm. you know, yes, if he has to go around murdering people, he might as well kill, he might as well murder murderers, but I'm not going to teach Dexter how to kill people. Um, <laughs> and I certainly wouldn't do that with the knowledge knowing that he's going to go forth and murder his way to satisfy his bloodlust. Um, yeah. as it happens, there are misfires with Dexter's murder sprees and, no doubt Lissy's going to kill people who don't deserve it, even if she was only going to kill people who deserved it, which I don't believe for one second that she's that she was. No. Uh, we'll we'll keep an eye on it. Uh, okay. So Raymer is like, oh, wait, vibrational mages, mages can create and manipulate light. Is it possible to create harmful radiation using vibration magic? 
Um, awesome munchkinning. Awesome munchkinning. So high five for outside the box thinking. Hell um, yeah. It, it is one of those, you know, it's Hufflepuff bone thinking, right? Mm-hmm. Like radiation sickness doesn't kill people very fast. Yeah. And by not very fast, I mean, I think like at best hours. Yes. And so, you know, if you're that strong, you can just fusra da them into the little pieces. And that's the unrelenting force shout from Skyrim. Yeah, um, okay. And it's that that's a lower level spell. You can do it more often. So, I mean, I like, I like where his head's at because it's outside the box, but it's, yeah. it's not practical, but I had to call that out as like Raymer is going to be looking for every angle on everything all the time. Mm-hmm. And just, so he asks a question, he gets called on and Lissy is called on next. She had kept her hand up the whole time that Raymer was asking and getting his question answered. Yes. And I'm like, she's like Hermione if Hermione sucked. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I, I mean, like, that's the, the sucked part is um is a subjective uh subjective value call, but I yeah, I agree like that that's what Hermione did, right? Yeah. And yet she was 11 yeah. and it was adorable. And by the time she was an adult, she stopped because she realized like other people are people who have feelings and I don't need to be obnoxious to learn stuff, right? Do you does it hurt other people's feelings if you keep your hand up? It's I mean, I, I would think it signals impatience. Yeah, you know? definitely. Like I want, I want, I want their turn to be over. I don't care what they're asking. It's not important. My thing's important. Call on me. You know. Okay. Um, yeah. You know, I don't know if it's the feelings part. In is I don't think that's like the most salient example of her being completely negligent of people's feelings or whatever. But mm-hmm. I don't know. She's just so much more hateable than Folliter. At least he was cool. I like her. All right. Well, I'm hope, just gonna say it. Well, I think that, she's cool. I, I'm glad we. I'm glad we. You know, this friction keeps the podcast interesting. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So ethics class is canceled. Yes, because, because the teacher has been hauled away. Yeah, for presumably nothing. I think that she's arrested for being demon blooded, and they need someone to kill at the festival. That could be. I mean, she was a fucking ethics professor. You know, it's, <laughs> it's not to say that she didn't go home and you know cannibalize her way through an orphanage, but like I. What better position if you didn't want anyone to to suspect you? It's true. That's probably what they're going to argue before they kill her in public. Um, <laughs> but Don't. I I think that she's innocent, and this will be. Remember, they were like having this argument about well, Uther would get in the way and stop this barbarism. Mm-hmm. And June's like, I don't know. Well, now this is somebody that he talks to, you know, who clearly had a nuanced understanding of morality, mm-hmm. and they're going to murder her for racism. And mm-hmm. so now he's like, okay, now I have to get involved. Yeah, yeah. So this is great. Um, yeah. So let's see. Uh, oh yeah, this this all happened fast in this chapter, didn't it? So then he goes on to his meditation class, um, mm-hmm. and he meets Jif's uh, better half, Sony. Mm-hmm. And this this was just really funny. I got to call it out. He says, "Oh, nice to meet you," because he thought it was what's her butt. Um, yeah. And he's like, "Sorry for not realizing." And he says, that was a better recovery than I'd ever made in my life, which was damning, <laughs> which was damning it with, fr- with faint praise, like saying sorry and moving on is the best he's ever done for like a speech recovery. Um, yeah. I mean, I, that he must've stumbled really hard, but I had to he, mention that because as a twin, this sort of thing happened all the time. Cool. In or school. Cool. I don't know. Was it cool? I, it was, it was hilarious. I, you know, there, it went a number of ways. I mean, I, uh, at some point just started talking to people like I knew them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I'd tell my brother, I'd be like, Oh yeah, some blonde girl talks. We talked about this. 
So you had that conversation. <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> Nice. It, so, you know, it, it was just a, a fun way to, to roll with it. Yeah, I never had like, as far as I can remember anyway, like a sense of like, I want to be my own person or something. Because um, mm. I never felt like I wasn't. Did you ever do that rom-com thing where you're both on a date in the same restaurant and then like, you would run to the bathroom and switch clothes or something? No, and we always talked about it. And <laughs> okay. we never, I think we switched classes once. And I, I can't remember if we even actually did that. Maybe we just talked about it. Hmm. Like, we really should have taken advantage of that more. It seems like it would have been a lot of fun. But I guess it's, like, what's the point of doing it, I guess, aside from the, the one-time fun factor, right? Aside from the funniness, yeah, not much. I mean, the the one, the other thing, too, is that, like, by the time we were in high school, we were looking distinct enough to mm-hmm. where I don't think we could trick a date. Okay. Um, or... You know, and that wouldn't be treating the date with a lot of like the person with a lot of autonomy either. But, mm-hmm. you know, switching classes would have been funny, but I think we've talked about it. And it's like the idea, you know, well, then we'd just both be behind, you know? Oh, yeah. Like we'd both have missed a class. <laughs> <laughs> what can Someday I say? Someday you'll find a way to, to abuse this power. It's true. Cool. Uh, but he, instead of going to the ethics class because it's been canceled, he just goes ahead and goes to the um, meditation uh, sort of class. Meditation. Uh, yeah. What would you call thing? That's not really a class, but it's sort of a class. Yeah, it's like an it's extracurricular. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That the, uh, that the professor uh, recommended that he go to instead. And uh, the, the instructor at the front does the whole thing where you like close your eyes and sit cross-legged and think about a beautiful stream or whatever. And then it gets weird uh, because she's like, the woods are calm and peaceful, but there's a man on fire walking between the trees. I was like, what the fuck? And then she goes, this is a method called Kalatet, a technique of juxtaposition. I was like, oh, oh, uh, okay. And like, it seems, it seems reasonable enough, especially because, I mean, partly because this woo stuff is always full of crazy things that people are trying that are like, whatever, I, I, I don't know, might as well give it a shot. But also because it's a fantasy book, right? Fantasy books always change things around and play with them and see where they could go uh, taking things outside of what we are used to in the modern day. And so I was like, I don't know if this is like a cool take on meditation that legit maybe someone in the world could actually do or if this is like something evil and there's magic involved and something's going to try to rape his soul and it was it was the coolest thing yeah i that was my thought basically in that order too i was like you know okay this isn't super relaxing but all right you know and maybe that maybe there is something to this and the instructor's going on like it's perfectly normal right mm-hmm. but he's getting freddy krueger vibes real heavy to the point where he's like, I wish I could summon in backup, like to the point where Beth will come flying in here, guns blazing. But mm-hmm. I had to talk with Parsons' voice. It's like, well, if you're that in danger, just like, I don't know, touch your your tattoo and be like, man, I sure wish I could get the hell out of here. You know, like they would all know <laughs> what it meant. Um, yeah. Or frankly, code phrases. They, I'm sure they've got one, right? They, they should. They absolutely should if they don't yet. And if I'm not, sure they have one. Yeah. Someone in that team thought of the, uh, yeah. So, you know... I don't know, but he, he nopes out, looks around. Everyone seems fine. He's like, okay, let's give it a shot. And he goes in and he's like, okay, this is too real. And it's only because I'm like good at soul trance stuff. Am I able to back out of this on my own? And, uh, really that's that. Um, It was really creepy. I was kind of like on edge the whole time, you know? Yeah. It it did a good job with like this, this disconcerting vibe. Um, 
And at the end, and then when he asks Sunny about it, she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't remember any man on fire. Yeah. So it raises the question, like, did the man on fire get all of them and wipe out their memories? Uh, was the instructor giving him one version of the meditation and everyone else a normal meditation? Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a mystery. Yeah. Uh, which he brings it home to the party when, uh, you know, it. it's the kind of thing that, like, I was like, okay, well, I'll just, you know, not meditate on that. This doesn't seem like your problem this week, June. Like, save it. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But no sense in not telling the group about it, so... So they go and they sing for their supper in the next chapter. <laughs> and Raven has lots of guesses, but none of them are any good. Yeah. She she goes through, I think, like 18 or something different uh, possible ideas, all based off of things that Uther actually ran into during their travels. And uh, she says at the very at the very top of it, she says it was uh, first thing you got to say is could always be an entad because entads can do anything. They're bullshit. Uh, but it was never entads. And he goes never. And she goes, no, not once, which is, you know, kind of like lupus in the house uh, series. And at that point, I was like, oh, this is like our, our diagnostic scene from the house series in in worth the candle. That's pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, it's never lupus. I like that. Yeah, I mean. That's because the answer, you know, well, magic did it is not satisfying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so narratively, that would never work. Yeah. Um, what's funny about this, and, I, and if only June had mentioned the lupus thing, because then it would be textual and I'd be sure that it was an entad. Um, yes. Because in season four, it was lupus once. Yes. And yeah. uh, that would mean, so if June was like, man, it's just like how so it was never lupus. I'm like, aha, so it is an entad. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> But since he didn't say that, you know it's not an entad. Probably not. Yeah. You know, if it is, it's just another indicator that June's life is different here than than Uther's. But even so, like the idea, is like, oh yeah, it's this thing that you could never ever predicted that is doing stuff that you know we never saw before. Like that's not fun. Yeah. You know, it's not fun for yeah. June. It's not fun for us. Um, it. I don't know. I'm just imagining like him in a fight with somebody, and they pull out some some bullshit. You know, like. Um, Larkspur had those had magic equipment, mm-hmm. but like it wasn't too overpowered and it was fun. Yeah. Cause I think it was like, in theory, you know, you could overcome this, right? Mm-hmm. If it was like, aha, I, you know, press this button and suddenly I'm Superman for two hours. Yeah. Like that's not fun. Just having the random I win button is yeah. It's super lame. Yeah. The um, Amaryllis, the Amaryllis, just Amaryllis, uh, says that she wants to state for the record that attempting the meditation in class was a bad idea. And Palada asks, is there a record? (laughs) And Bethel says, I keep transcriptions. Yes. Which I thought was really cool because it means she has at least one useful non-murder ability. And it's awesome that nobody else has to bother keeping the uh, the records because it's kind of a pain in the ass. Yeah. uh, You know, I mean, she also needs the records for blackmailing and making people uncomfortable. So it serves two purposes. <laughs> well, sure, but she can always just replay a complete, you know, 3D high fidelity thing of the of the meeting if she wanted to. She doesn't need a record. That makes you wonder why she's keeping transcriptions at all. So that other people can read them when she's not around? Flip when, through them? When she's not around? If she keeps I, if them at home, she's she's around, man. <laughs> I mean, what if she's busy trying to, like, get June to uh, get a hand job or something? That's a good point. <laughs> um, yeah, so... I think, what was it? Oh, yeah, Raven, I think very prudently says, wait, don't make duplicates. And if you do, don't bind to them. And she's like, what? I'm not an idiot. And she Mm. cuts her off figuratively, not literally, (laughs) um, which June had to caveat for us. 
which was great. Yeah. And I think I know you mentioned this in your notes somewhere when I was reading through your full notes thing that uh, there were several uh, several moments in these chapters and in earlier chapters too, also in college, that just were great comedic beats. It almost felt like watching a comedy, and and I agree, they're great, and I love them, and I think maybe that's part of the reason I'm really enjoying these com these uh, college chapters. Yeah, this is the uh, it's a tone shift because it's a different environment, right? We're doing a mm -hmm. we're doing an '80s comedy movie. You know, this is uh, not quite Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Let's just let's just have fun with it. There's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's fun. I think they mentioned it once or twice in the last week, and then once this week already. Um, Bethel's uh, she ate, ate look, that spy that dream spying dagger, mm -hmm. and Amaryllis was like, "Can you keep an eye on our keep an eye on us in our sleep?" And hey. she's like, "Yeah, you bet." Uh, first of all, so nice of her to agree. Second of all, oh, I think it was Raven who actually asked her, but it doesn't matter. Uh, I only mentioned that because she hates Raven, but she agreed to do it anyway. Probably because she already was, but they mentioned the you can spy on our dreams thing a couple of times. This might this might be the third beat, which seems to suggest that this whole Freddy Krueger thing is actually going to turn into something. Mm -hmm. And maybe Bethel being able to see their dreams, maybe she'll be able to come in and rescue them. Mm -hmm. So that's not this, this seems like it could be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they do talk about the Freddy Krueger uh, experience and various things that it could be. Um, and when Raven lays out all these different things Uther's done, it, like, it really solidified to me like all the things that Uther's done. Like This was just a tiny sampling of the adventures that he's been on over his 40 years. And I was just trying to imagine like what a series of books of, of Uther's adventures would look like. And I don't know. I don't even think you could have a novel for each of his adventures because there'd just be too many. You'd have to have like a collection of a lot of them as novelettes in, in a book if you wanted to cover his whole career. Yeah, they'd have like to be heavily with the, uh, Yeah, like they did with the, the early Witcher stuff. It was a collection of stories. I wonder, it'd be a drag if, you know, he's sitting there writing them down and he's like, man, yeah, I got to cut that stuff even though it was fun, but it's just, you know, makes this book too long. Um, yeah, they did kick a lot of asses in his day. Mm -hmm. One of them too, apparently there was some like hallucination monster that was brought on by smoking the right kind of peyote. So what's he do? He smokes some peyote and he goes to this other plane and kills this <laughs> thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like, of course he does. Yeah. That's just that was the thing to do. That's, that's just, that's, oh yeah. I got to go to another dimension and punch some monster. You bet. I'm into it. Your problem is monsters. I know how to solve that problem. Right. I got, I got a, got a fist here with its name on it. Um, <laughs> right. So this was great. Um, Lissy shows up with Raymer and um, Bethel, who's wearing not quite a French maid outfit, is greeting her at the door. And she, she's like, Lysinthias Pendrag, fourth of my name, second under princess of defense. And Bethel says, charmed. Uh, it's always a pleasure to meet a Pendrag. And her mm -hmm. smile is feral. And I was like, maybe she can, maybe she can do everyone a favor and satisfy her Pendrag bloodlust by ripping Lissy to pieces. <laughs> Very much not a Lissy fan. I mean, if if Bethel, this seems like a win-win. I hate Lissy. Lissy wants to kill people. She doesn't like people. Bethel wants to kill Pendrags. You know, I feel like if Amaryllis was like, hey, Bethel, you want to kill her and just have fun with it? You know, pretend to do her. Yeah, but Lissy pledges her her um herself to. Amaryllis, so after this, when she kills people, it'll be for our murder hobos. Yeah, we'll see if she keeps her word. Yeah, that's true. The She has four entads of our own, and Raymer asks, what do they do? 
And Lucy says, that's an impolite question. Like, just flat out, you know, that's impolite. And I think this is where it first struck me, and I've been defending her this episode, I think in large part because of the revelation I had here, that she's really a dwarf at heart, in in my opinion. And we have found yet another transracial character in this story, because she's, like, she's more dwarfish than Grack is. Grack has been hanging around with the uh, Terranian, not, what's the opposite of subterranean, just Terranian? Yeah. The yeah, okay, the Terranian races for a good 10 plus years, like he's accustomed to their politeness and niceties and taking other people's emotions into account and she is the exact opposite. She's never done that. She is just flat out, here's what I think. Uh that's it. And and I just I I kind of like it. You know, she's she's doing dwarf blackface. Oh. Like she she's she's not dwarf. You know, Grack is straightforward but respectful. Lissy's just a bitch. You know, when 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 Raymer asks, "What do they do?" She says, "That's impolite. How could you ever ever ask about my privacy?" But the second but that she, someone she she wants she to ask somebody about something, that. that that's the vibe. It's it's a double mm. standard here. You know, I, June I says, "Hold on, it's my business." Well, hold on, it might be might be my business too. You never know. You know. Plus, I want to know. I'm special. Like, oh, see, I think I think the the difference between how we how we read Lissy is entirely in the voice actor that we have in our heads. I think you're because right. <laughs> yeah, to me, the voice actor would just be like a, a very much a dwarf kind of person. You're just like, that's an impolite question. Like, you know, not really not not having the air of of offendedness or anything. Yeah, no, I, I'm glad that you brought this take because it hadn't occurred to me that anyone could read her as anything other than just like the literal worst. Um, but you're you're making it's just a matter. Like you said, the, the voice actor, it's the same lines. But, you know, when, if Grack says that's an impolite question, I'm like, oh, sorry, bro, you got it. Um, yeah. But when she does it, I hate her. I think it's just because, <laughs> you know, Grack never came on with like this weird sense of entitlement that she walked in with. But uh, and he doesn't have a, you know, a self-confessed bloodlust and all this stuff. But um, that's true. I'm going to read it with both both uh, voices in mind until we get one way or another settled with with Lizzie here. Um, OK, I want to see if she turns out to be the worst or if she actually is just cool, but weird. Well, we both pulled this next part out, which is great. Uh, they show up for dinner, and they, Lissy and Raymer, show up for dinner, and they're presented with a stack of papers, which uh, Amaryllis explains is a confidentiality agreement that uh, if they discuss anything that they're about to discuss at this dinner with anyone else, they, I forget exactly how bad the punishments were, but they were like, to the fullest extent of the law, possibly throw you in jail forever kind of things. And she admits that actually enforcing them would be very hard. But it's it's a super, super high-level strength uh, non-disclosure agreement. And Lissy is like, well, what are you offering us to sign this? And it says, she glanced over at Raymer, who was already signing. <laughs> what are you offering me, then? Because <laughs> fucking Raymer, that was so great. And he's like, yep, he- I don't care. I'm not even going to bother reading it. Yeah, he he knows, you know, not not to look a gift horse in the mouth. He's like, "What? A cool adventure is falling into my lap? Yeah, totally. I'm in." You know, like who, <laughs> I who am I who am I going to go barter with about information about you guys anyway? No, fuck it. Exactly. You know? That's what yeah. I was thinking. Like, keep me in the loop. Lissy maybe, yeah, Lissy maybe like could do something with this information. Raymer's like, "What the fuck am I going to do? Like gossip about it on the quad?" Yeah, sure. I'll keep it secret, whatever. Yeah, whereas the first thing Lissy says is I can go gossip about the stuff that I already know, right? Mm-hmm. And Emerald is like, yeah, technically. I really like to think that if she said, okay, well, I'll see you later and doesn't go to sign, Bethel would have just cut her in half. But <laughs> that actually would have been really cool. 
Maybe Bethel would have cut her fingers off and said, you can use your other hand if you want to sign the documents. Ooh, I want to nice. give her one more shot. And maybe sever her tongue. Like, ah, oh, you can't talk now, can you? <laughs> yeah, go tell anyone you want to. Good luck without mm-hmm. fingers or a tongue. Uh, <laughs> this is like right around when he's coming out and explaining like, oh, yeah, I'm, I think he says, oh, yeah, I'm dream skewered or something. Or I forget the exact setup, but Rammer says, mm, no, that's bullshit. Which, A, he says like just no to a lot of the things that he learns here. Mm-hmm. Um, and he did that when he was in the house the first time, too, which I think is actually awesome. Like, yeah. This is him not just taking it with a, with a, you know, taking something that totally contradicts his model of the world in stride. And he's, mm-hmm. you know, I think his saying no isn't like rejecting reality. It's just him like, you know, saying, I don't believe you prove it. Um, yeah. And so it's straight up. It's just a, it's a good, um, I think he's, he's got the, the appropriate stance to reality. Right. Mm-hmm. But he's like, no, that, that doesn't parse. You, Juniper Smith, who went through a trial by adversity, met the girl you had a crush on for years, somehow got jacked as fuck while growing a few inches, and <laughs> now you're here at, at SNS and not go, getting not one, but two schools of magic, all without, all without Anglican knowing about it. And so when he met uh, June, well, like when he first saw him, he was like, when did you get jacked? I thought that he was saying, like, when did you get pulled into the Matrix, right? Right. But he was that asking, was when it was still like, oh, shit, we think he's the real Raymer. Yeah. But he was asking him, like, when did you get to take your super soldier serum and how did you get so tall? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Lissy, she has all of the cunning of, you know, she, she has the ambition of a Slytherin. I don't think she has, I think she's like, um, whichever one of the spew witches, the Slytherin one that Quirrell said, you're ambitious, but you have no ambition. Yes. That, that's Tracy how I read Lissy. I think it was the Slytherin that wasn't Tracy. It might have been Tracy. You're probably right. But in any case, it was uh that's how I read Lissy is she she's ambitious, but I don't know what she's going for, right? But mm-hmm. she's looking at everything and like, how can I leverage that? Mm-hmm. Raymer isn't doing that, but he does have the cunning, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, he, he has enough to call bullshit. And yeah. uh Lissy's reaction to this when he says that he's dream skewered is like when presented with something this crazy, just go with like the the baseline assumption that's like simpler. She's basically saying, Occam's razor, this guy's full of shit. Um, mm-hmm. and I'm like, you know, she sucks, but credit where it's due. That is a fair line of reasoning from where she's sitting. Yeah. 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 It's, it's so great too, because Raymer's like, you're not, obviously you're not dream skewered. You remember all the stuff that you would know if you were you. And June says, I'm from earth, but there was a Juniper Smith that lived on earth who was essentially the same person as the one you knew, just with a few details changed. And Raymer's like, he doesn't even answer. He just stares at him. And I'm like, yes, that sounds like the most complete bullshit I've ever heard in my life. I do not blame Raymer at all for just being like, the fuck. Yeah. I, I also, I, I'm glad that they're doing like 85% disclosure. Um, mm-hmm. You know, bringing, especially Raymer into the group I'm excited about. And I don't know if he's going to be like in the group to the level of like solace, but he's going to be in the loop. What do you mean by 85%? I think they tell him everything, don't they? I think they stop short of the, I've authored the world. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they don't mention that part. And so I'm not sure how much percentage that is, but I stuck at 85. Yeah, um, it's probably at least 15%. Yeah, it's, it's a chunk. Um, yeah. But this this was great. Uh, so, of course, they did a, a project in school on the Dream Skewered. Mm. And of course they did. Because the right. DM said, oh, I want to skip the part where he has to exposition him and explain about dream skewering when they meet, right? It was perfect. Let's save him 30 yeah. minutes when they have this conversation. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then Raymer, DM was looking out. Yeah, I know, right? Raymer's again such a he. He's like, yeah, it sounds far fetched, and Lissy's like, yeah, extraordinary claims, extraordinary evidence. I'm not buying it. Like, there, he's just kind of out of nowhere. He's like, wait, why were you paying for the game system? And he says, because it's real. Raymer thought about that for a moment. No, <laughs> <laughs> and just like it, it's perfect. Like, no question mark <laughs> are you are you fucking serious what i think it's the best response ever yeah yeah it's great like if all the people that he's told like by the way all this weird shit no one's just like no i, I don't think so <laughs> but his wasn't even just like a denial it's just like question mark no <laughs> yeah because like how could you how do you even respond to that reasonably like it's a game with dice and skill numbers of, of course it's what even are you saying uh but then raymer like very quickly realizes that if this is true then it's the only thing that really matters is who the dungeon master is he says that's what it all hinges on because the arbiter has all the powers and they can just say no if they don't like whatever it is you're doing and i thought it was awesome that like he grasped that immediately he was just like that i played this game with you 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 could change anything at any time i i know that is we were at your whim and um and i mean i guess that's true of the dm right like he could just change any or all rules at any time since he's running the simulation he could like pause it and patch it and put in whatever whatever he wanted to change and i guess i think it's kind of interesting that we're basically trusting him not to do so well i mean he hasn't excluded anything yet during june's few months here but that is you know, I can imagine June making up that system, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, I don't think you guys would abuse it like this. Uh, there's a weird law of nature that happened, and suddenly that doesn't work anymore. So stop it. Like, mm-hmm. th- that's exactly what the DM's doing. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it, it's great. Um, Raymer knows what's up. And I, I agree, though, that changing the rules suddenly, I think, would be, you know, like excluding a broken part of the system isn't actually a bad deal like that video games do that all the time too um, yeah if, you, if something is just terribly broken you got to get rid of it because it makes the game much worse yeah if you can make anything out of wood like suddenly the game is not fun for anybody anymore yeah um you know you're fighting a horde of vampires ah, i make a miniature sun you know like yes whatever so I, but i think changing the rules suddenly that you know if you're unless you're fixing something that broke the game like i think that that would be bad DMing and related. I think that'd be bad storytelling. Yeah. Ah, up until this point, it was like this, but now it's like this. I I think that's one of the reasons like the, um, it was all a dream thing is so fucking unpopular because you're investing all this emotional energy into a story. And then all of a sudden the, the writers are like, Oh no, 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 none of it ever happened. Never mind." And you're like, what the, the fuck you, man, that is awful storytelling. You can't just pull that shit. Yeah. It was great when we talked with Eliezer about, the final exam. Mm, yeah. And he was like, you know, by the time I got to that part, I didn't want to do it that way, but I was kind of backed myself into a corner. Imagine if we had never seen partial trans- transfiguration before. And that's when Harry discovered it. Yeah. Like that would have sucked. Right. Yeah. So it, it's, like- it's that, it's that sort of thing. All right. So, uh, he's explaining that he's fast tracked with, uh, classes. No, I only have one, one week then I get to go down. And she says, are you fucking kidding me? Slamming her fist against the table. One guess for mm-hmm. who's that entitled and pissed. Um, <laughs> well, I, I, mean, I said she, so it's not Raymer, but you know, I would also be upset if I was her, but yeah, I don't know. This is uh you know, I, I couldn't see Grack doing that. 
So whatever she is, she's not, you know, dwarfs That's on true. steroids. Yeah. Grack is... Grack's yeah. too chill. That's true. She's, she's, she's lacking in chill. And frankly, like, you know, the reason June gets to do it is because he learns super fast. And right. I mean, there's a, there is a darn good reason for June to get to do it. Yeah. And where she, I think she's, she's pissed. It's hard to say. I think she's just jealous or maybe she's, you know, why don't I also get the opportunity to do that or something? But if Grack was that outclassed, I think he'd just be like, wow, that person's really good. And he'd just acknowledge it. Right. Mm-hmm. There wouldn't be like a, that's not fair. Well, I mean, she is six standard deviations above the median, and yet she's still going through all the stuff that, you know, Joe Schmo that's graduated from high school with a C minus average has to go through. She and she hasn't complained about it. Like I, I can I would I can kind of see being upset that you didn't even think to try to circumvent the system and someone else is doing it, and you're like, God damn it, I'm I don't need to waste four years of my life on this bullshit. I I wish this there was a way for me to avail myself of this as well. The thing is, it might actually take her that long. To do what? To, to learn the, the magic. I seriously doubt it would take her four years, maybe one. But oh, right, because she's six standard deviations above average. Yeah. Yeah, I, I forgot. I, <laughs> I, I, I honestly think it maybe would go much faster for her, but there's just no way for her to, to cut ahead like that. So she has to go through four years of drudgery and being bored. And that's exactly all the shit we hate about school, right? I am well, a fan of that's half the shit we hate about school. Yeah. I'm a fan of like, if you could uh, test out of it, you should be able to. Yeah. Uh, that said, she wouldn't be able to do it in a week. So no, uh, no, probably not. This, this part was amazing. Um, Raymer is like, hold on. I need, I need a pen and paper and the house paper. And like, nothing's happening. And Bethel's like, why don't you say, please, please yeah. why don't you why don't you mean it and then he's like please mighty house and a pen falls and hits him in the head um and then uh i like that she says eat your salad um but that wasn't the part that i wanted to pull out here he he's grabbing that because he wants to do some math and he says okay 14 level or level 14 per the rules we played under you should have 31 points by discounting the rules, that's 17 total in the abilities, which would mean 15 all your skills, but you told me 30. Like, what's going on? And Amarilla says, Juniper's points weren't all put into a single category. And I just imagine him, like, mouth agape, eyes wide, slowly turning to June, just like, yeah. why? Like, like <laughs> of, of everything that you told me so far, this... This is the most. This is the hardest pill for me to swallow. <laughs> right? You're you're a magical being from a different world, sure, sure. But you didn't put all your points in one stat. You didn't min max. <laughs> Fuck, man. Yeah, it's yeah, it's awesome. That was great. And he's like, yeah, it was extending circumstances, you know. And he and June's all making up excuses. I mean, they're valid excuses, but like, I love that he also felt defensive and like he had to, to, to defend that decision. He did have to like, explain man, himself. Come on. Mm-hmm. Like, there were zombies. I didn't have time to learn magic. I had to outrun them. Mm-hmm. But then Lisi proves that she is, in fact, six standard deviations above the average because just from listing them, she puts together, she like immediately signs the paper. She's like, oh my God, I'm in. I'm so in. And Raymond's like, what? And she says, he's Uther Pendrig. He's he's the next Uther or something like him, uh, which, first of all, that was really awesome that she just, like, snapped that together in her head. But secondly, Raymer is like, of all the fucking people in the world, like June, mm-hmm. this asshole, the jerk friend I've known for years, how, this is, the universe is not fair, man. 
And I, I like, I just loved, I loved how he delivered that. And that feeling is, is so I could just taste it. Draymond is getting a lot of bombshells dropped on him. And I think he's taking them pretty well. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, you know, credit where it's due. Lissy does make the, the logical leap there, um, which, you know, it'd it, be om- it's quite the deduction really. Yeah. Yeah, it is. You know, she, she kind of like, all right, forget all the game layer stuff. I'm hearing that somebody can get really, really good, really fast. Mm-hmm. And, you know, other weird shit's happening. Okay. This reminds me of another famous person I've heard of, you know, blur away the details. And this looks very familiar. Yeah. She's good. Yeah. But yeah, it would be almost like, um, the, if the Brooklyn nine, nine crew in uh, the one episode after the last episode, were sitting around and it's revealed that Scully is like God, literally the God of the universe. <laughs> and they'd be like, of all the fucking people in the world, fucking Scully. Who's worse, th- who's worse than Hitchcock, and they're both monsters. I love it. Yeah, you chose the right yeah. one. Yeah. Uh, all right. That said, I think that June is working his way towards being, uh, there isn't a good Brooklyn Nine-Nine. It, it's kind of like the Hogwarts house thing. I could shove him into a character, right? Mm-hmm. But it doesn't, it doesn't fit. He's, he's working on being as not Scully as possible. Yes. So chapter 149, I have to hand it to you. I... I'm bad with puns. I didn't get the chapter name, but apparently you did. And as I was reading this, I'm like, oh my God. Uh, yep, that's, that is correct. Oh, yeah. Stephen, why is this title? Why is this chapter titled I Have to Hand It to You? Go figure. Like the second, you know, I think it was the chapter a few weeks ago where I was like, oh, at the top of every chapter, I'll put like a little section for like what I think the, the notes, you know, what the title means for that chapter. And some of them are, you know, good vibrations, vibration magic. Oh, good vibrations. He screamed all those people to death, right? Um, Sing for your supper, fine. But this one, you know, have to hand it to you. It wasn't until I looked back at the chapter knowing what it was about. And I'm like, oh, and I put eggplant emoji and hand gesture. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yep. Hand jobs. It's it's all about hand jobs. It's hand jobs all the way to down. Hand jobs. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but before we get to the hand jobs, uh, they're discussing nicknames. And Lissy says that Mary doesn't make sense as a nickname because throughout the book, Mary has been the nickname they've used for Amaryllis. Uh, and uh, Mary's like, yeah, she was that kind of a friend. Uh, her nicknames, the ones she gives, wouldn't make sense. And I've been using Amy for the pretty much for the entire time we've been recording because, you know, I just I think Amy works and Mary doesn't. And now that... Amaryllis points out that Fen was that kind of a friend, and that's why it makes sense, and it's charming and all that. I'm like, oh, now now I feel bad for having used Amy instead all this time. Yes, yeah. it's like I was erasing Fen. I wouldn't feel too bad about it. It's a shorthand. Amaryllis. And it makes more sense. Yeah. And, I mean, her name's four syllables long. That's a lot of syllables. Val is nice enough to go by Val rather than making us call her Valencia every time. Yeah. And she doesn't go by Lena because that wouldn't make any sense. That's true. Although yeah, Lena that, would make as much sense as Mary for Amaryllis. Th- I think what's funny about Mary, though, is that it is contained within the word Amaryllis. So, like, sound-wise, it's not. But spelling-wise, it is. Mm-hmm. You know? So, it it does it does work. It works if you're a troll. And Fen was a troll. <laughs> That's true. I mean, I don't really understand how shorthand's names work anyway. You know, Theodore is long for Ted. A, a lot of names, like, don't make any sense. Um, yeah. So... I don't know. They both work, but Fen gave her her own nickname, and you gave her a nickname. They both they both land. Uh, well, my nickname isn't canon though, so mine is inferior. Uh well, in the context of the book, sure. 
Okay. Uh, but but Lissy would agree with you because it's you know technically correct, um, and that's the best kind of correct. I see. I like Lissy even more now, especially if you're willing to argue any stupid point to the fucking death. Even though we've got Uther Pendrag in the room and you're wasting his time, um, I forget what I they're even arguing like about. That. It's like I oh that whether um the vows of loyalty were a real thing or whether they are a real thing. Oh my god. Yeah. And Lissy points out that they, you know, vows of loyalty did exist back in the Sepkan Empire, so technically they are a real thing. I mean, so like this is like, you know, is swearing on the Bible a real thing? See, that depends on what you mean by a real thing, which is why Amarellis is saying like in the colloquial usage, I was correct. It's not a real thing. But right. Also, swearing on the Bible is actually a real thing for some positions. They still do it for like swearing in of presidents and uh congress people oh yeah i mean it's real in the sense that people do it but it's not real in the sense that it does anything well i mean i think emeralds was saying that no one actually does those vows of loyalty anymore and she's right i mean so here's the thing we don't need we don't need to rehash their debate uh yeah yeah the point is that that lissy won't drop it Mm -hmm. like she's like okay yeah fine let's let's move past it like it's not worth it and lissy's like no no stop concede that you were technically incorrect again not a very grack move either i have personally known someone who said basically that exact same thing to me and boy did it get on my nerves you know it and it depends maybe on the context and who the person is you know yeah, what, it didn't what, help that i didn't like that person already right and you know I, i'm sure i've pinned you down and said no admit that this was a pun or this was funny or something but it's done <laughs> in good humor the thing is and like, I like you right and so i mean it that, that, that's i think an important difference here and i'm not and it's not <laughs> like it's admittedly stupid i'm not like i don't demand that you because like, what the hell does Lissy get if Amarillo says you're right? I misspoke or I was wrong. Like she just right. wants to be right. I don't know. So I was just thinking, like, I wish Amarillo could just summon a book and hit Lissy with it, like a history book. And okay. What's really fun is she could hit her really, really hard, and then June could just heal her. That is true. Like, I, like I'm not, I'm not disposed towards violence even against fictional characters, but she's like worse than Dolores Umbridge. She gets under my skin. But I like your read on her that she's just like two inches to the left of like the average person. And I, I also love that you feel this way about Lissy because it makes me feel a bit seen. Cause this is exactly how I feel about Jif. I'm like, if, if I had a gun and two bullets and <laughs> Dolores Umbridge and Jif were in the room, I'd kill shoot Jif twice. I mean, that's interesting. I, it, you're right. It must just be the voice actors and who are putting in them. Um, yeah. It's I, I, I think they're, you know, neither read is more valid than the other. Um, if it does turn out to where Tiff ended up being more or less a saint and Lissy was, you know, ended up going on to murder her way through three orphanages before she was finally put down by the police, then like the story will tell us that I was right, but it could go the other way. And, you know, maybe we won't get closure that way. But yeah. um, in any case, I, I do like that we can read characters different ways. Yeah. Somewhere I remember back reading uh, when Dolores Umbridge was a character, like when that book came out, that she's the kind of character you just want to hit with a shovel. And I'm like, that's, cool. that's exactly it. And I don't know why, like, that, that is so apt, but it's perfect. She, she's like a uh, GIF. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was saying. Yeah. Oh, shit, but I was saying Tiff instead of GIF, wasn't I? Oh, you did say Tiff, yeah. 
I meant to say Jif. I'm sorry. That whole time, oh. I'm, I'm going to go back and every time I said Tiff, I'm going to replace that with Jif. So let me quickly. There we go. Because no, I I love Tiff. Uh, she's <laughs> she's a little bit too woke, unfortunately, but I love Tiff. See, it's I thought, Jif I that, that I hate. I thought that's why you're saying you hated her, and I was like, okay, that's a little no. strong, but sure. Uh, no, 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 Jif, that fucking bitch. God, see, that this is the problem with having characters with too similar of a name. Yeah, for lucky when. Lysia's taking the 5,000-foot plunge from her high horse. She'll land on Jif, and they'll both die. Yeah. Uh, And then maybe when they go back in time, they'll meet Biff. Yeah. Oh, my God. This is a fun thing, speaking of Back to Mm. the Future. It doesn't matter, and it's impossible to explain unless someone's playing, what's it called, Back for Blood. Um, The level where you're entering into the police station from the safe house. This is important, because you'll you'll come out, and there's a street, and you see a cord coming across the street. If you go out around (gasps) and look, it's coming from uh, another core that's to the top of the clock tower and the clock is set for 1004 and it's a back to the future reference that's really cool i just saw that this this uh, before we started recording fantastic and then i mentioned back to the future it's perfect everything's a clue i guess they're going back to the future then yeah that's how they're gonna save uther or arthur rather this is all just a time travel story it really is okay but (laughs) getting us back on track um uh, not Uther. Uh, June notices that Bethel is seeming to have a problem with Raymer, uh, but he's thinking that is her own damned fault because she'd been the one giving him a dozen different drinks and an assortment of snacks the first night he'd come over, not to mention the bar of gold. And <laughs> I, I just want to agree with June so hard right here. I was slightly annoyed with Bethel because like she, she sets up all these expectations for Raymer and he walks back into this magic house where he thinks the the thing it does is like you say you want a thing and it gives you the thing and he doesn't know that it's actually a thinking thing with feelings and it would like for someone to say please so he says please because he's instructed to say please but he doesn't know that that it wants to actually feel some sincerity from him right like she's she's pissed when the expectations that she set out continue to be expected even though she never said anything to to um Raymer or anyone about the the boundaries having changed or about updating their expectations like she would be an absolutely awful partner because she has no communication at all and just randomly changes things on you and it's really fucking annoying yeah i i couldn't figure out why she was mad um and maybe that was me being dense or something but uh like i was it cuz he was being entitled like wanting stuff, I, I yeah. thought she was pissy because there's another Pendrag in the house. I mean, that probably helped the situation or helped make her more pissy. And it's like, oh, you She's also like a Pendrag. You must have really bad taste. You must suck. Like my reading exactly. on you was wrong, or you know. But yeah. yeah, I I don't know why she was being a little on edge with him. But yeah, I I agree because that's the that kind of person she is. She expects everyone just to always know what mood she's in and how they're supposed to be approaching her. It's weird that like, I unconsciously gave her the benefit of the doubt in this. I'm like, I didn't know what her problem was, but I was like, eh, something's up. Like, you know, whatever. Usually I'm inclined to call her on all of her shit, but uh, mm-hmm. it, this, this didn't jump out at me. And I'm, I'm glad it did for you. Cause it's, it's interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I, you don't get to pick your, I'm in a different mood today. You, you need to read my mind. Like I'm inscrutable. Yeah. Like, no, you don't get to have that. That's way too many confusing factors. Get you fucked. can be in a different mood, but at least fucking tell a person, you know? Yeah. That's, it's just not fair. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
this isn't really, I don't think it's going to be important, but I had to, to pull out. Apparently the town that they're from is called Sporson. Um, unless it's you know not, what that means. Well, it's not anything backwards. Maybe if like you put it through one of those um, rearrange the letters programs, yeah. you might find something. Anagram finder. Yeah, anagram. That's the word. Um, yeah, I'd have to pull that out because I doubt it's random. You know, so we get like the actual name. Um, I wonder what it means. Uh, you know, because we don't get the, the name of the town. Maybe it's like the name of the town Alexander Wales is actually from, except with letters rearranged. Could be. Um, Parsons is this Parsons? Is, that could work. That, that's the only seven-letter word that fits. Uh, it is a Scrabble word. Um, oh, Parson. Let's see. Was yeah, I remember the name. The sociologist. Uh, it's also a religious leader, right? Interesting. Okay, there's something to this then, possibly, or it could just be you know a random name that that was generated because he needed a random name for a town. Yeah, it could be like an acrostic or an acronym or something too. You know, uh, it, I've heard one of the best ways. Well, heard very recently a meme that was trending in writing circles was a great name to get uh, made up names is you go to Starbucks and you have your mask over your mouth and you kind of mumble a word when they ask for your name. Hmm. And you, you don't have to mumble your name, just mumble any sort of some syllables, some word. And then the name you get written back on your uh, cup will always be something kind of interesting, which you can then use in as a fake name in a fantasy setting. And, you know, maybe he did that. Maybe he just mumbled something and that was he got what he got written on his cup. I can dig it. Yeah. That's funny. Because sometimes you just need a random name. Yeah, why not? Yeah. But um, they are, what are they talking about at this? Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, so he pulls Raymer into a side room to just talk privately. And Raymer says that, like, if you're right about everything you said, then it's like some malevolent genie came in and granted you your dreams at this absurd cost. Because, I mean, that was kind of his dream to, like, have the super hot princess and have all this power and everything. And uh, I, I think that DMS malevolent genie theory kind of fits. Yeah, it's not half a bad guess. Um, it's interesting because, like, this isn't actually related to what you're saying or what Raymer's saying, but it's when I just decided to write it down that, like, mm -hmm. the the idea that Earth was never real and Arab was always real has crossed my mind, um, mm -hmm. especially given like how intense these parallels are. Mm -hmm. Like, if if I if if June's explaining this to me and I'm Raymer, I would just tell him like, you know, it's obvious then, like, the shit here was real because I remember it. Your yeah. delusion of Earth where, like, things were similar, that's obviously, that's what the dream skewer is, right? You just made all this mm -hmm. shit up. Why, what are the odds that I would look the same over there? Like, that's a perfectly reasonable position if you're anyone except for June. Yeah. Because he's, A, met the DM, <laughs> which I guess, you know, counts for more than the second, which is he has the game layer. Um, yeah. That could be its own weird thing. But he actually talked to the guy who did this. Yeah. Or alleges to. And he does keep getting things like, you know, exceeding memory capacity and pausing, rebooting, loading library kind of stuff. So, yeah, yeah. if it wasn't for that, I mean, I, I did start out the, the, the book thinking he was probably a, a one of the gods that pissed off the other gods. And so they, they wiped his memory and jammed him in a human body to teach him lesson Thor style. Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, but that doesn't – then you have the game layer and that really – that kind of fucks with things, especially the, the, yeah, the rebooting, reloading kind of stuff. I, I guess mean, that could be them still fucking with them. But at that point, it seems a little superfluous. Or it's, it's, it's inscrutable if that's just like God's fucking with them. It, it's perfectly inscrutable if it's the DM fucking with him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
I want yeah. you to think that this is a taped together video game, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when in fact, it's an incredibly awesome video game with no flaws. Right. I, you know, I, I guess it does happen once in a while, even in good games where, you know, something renders too fast and the game steps for a second, you know? Mm-hmm. So maybe that's kind of like what those loading screens are. We don't get to see the logs, but June does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, fair enough. But um, oh, yeah. this finally leads us to the best part of these chapters where uh, Raymond reveals that the princess gave him a handjob. <laughs> uh, princess Alyssi in this case, not Amaryllis. <laughs> and I, I, I love this. He's like, I don't know. It was a thing that happened. Uh, Bethel comments, that's hilarious. We both pulled this out because it is fucking hilarious. And my first thought, which I later revised, but uh, my first thought was like, like Raymer's just straight up pimping it, you know, like <laughs> getting sweeping the princesses off their feet and everything. That's that's pretty damn impressive. And you know, later I changed my mind, but at first I was like, fuck yeah, Raymer, high five. Oh, I got to see your your mind change. It must be in the notes later. Um, mm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this guy fucks. Um, <laughs> so also, like, I got a high five Bethel on that comedic timing. Uh, mm-hmm. so june's sitting there in disbelief and Bramer's like yeah i don't know it just happened and bethel just in his head that's hilarious and it's like <laughs> it's awesome <laughs> um mm-hmm. so no nah, i but the thing is it makes me like lissy less uh which yeah. it's the fact that that's so easy to say i think is probably also a clue um mm. like lissy less um you know, ah. not that there's anything wrong with hand jobs, but I bet you two empanadas that he was like reluctant to answer her questions about June. So she just dove for the D to placate him and get her way. That was, yeah, that was the second thing I thought uh, after I was like, oh, yeah, Raymer can pull. Then I was like, <laughs> oh, no, it was probably Lissy manipulating him to be like, all right, yeah, you know, you know what? I can bind you to me by exploiting these emotions that humans have and the hormones that get dumped into their blood after they ejaculate i can give you a quick hand job and tie you to me boha so yeah right after that i was like oh it's not that Raymer's awesome it's that he's got played and he doesn't even know it you know it's probably the second but hopefully it's the first i actually don't think it's the second either uh we can get into this uh when they get into it but um I, I I believe Valencia is probably right about the whole situation, which actually makes me like Lissy quite a bit more when we get to that. Okay, yeah, we'll check it out. Um, why why does June this bring this up? Oh, so or I was wondering how this came up with Raymer. So June's just like I why, and Raymer says like I like I know. Come on, you know it's not <laughs> like you're the hand job police. And wait, <laughs> is that what it's all about? You went to join the hand job police. <laughs> That's what the host is really all about. That's right. They're the handjob police. Anyway, that's uh, yeah, that that that's where the constable name comes from. Yep. So uh, Raymer then asks him, "So are you an Amaryllis?" <laughs> <laughs> and Jin's like, "Are we what?" And he makes a handjob motion. <laughs> to which Bethel says in the June's head, "I'm back to liking him." And this was great. And as again, we both pulled this out because it's perfect comedic. I always love when I'm reading you know, quietly by myself. And I, I like actually laugh and yeah. I don't know if the, this might not have an open mouth laugh, but it was not just like a, you know, exhalation. There was, there's actual mm-hmm. like laughing behind it. And yeah. how often does that happen in your reading stuff? But it's just like, it's so perfect. And, you know, <laughs> Especially like, cause he doesn't say he just makes the motion. Yeah. He, he's looking at June 
and like just makes like a slow like hand like jerk off motion it's like are you guys this and like and <laughs> bethel's like i think he, this is great he's awesome he's my kind of guy <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it was oh wonderfully done oh she's great um but but june denies that there is any hand chopping going on well he's um, right so far that yeah yeah but oh wait, uh, this, this, this and, was funny before we move on to uh princess peach um yes the he's like uh well june's saying well you should go you know we've got class tomorrow he's like wait you're still going to class you think i'm going to class and mm-hmm. you know raymer's the kind of guy i totally get it he's like he's going to school to find something to do you know mm-hmm. oh this will get me started on whatever it is i'm supposed to do with my life you know mm-hmm. i'll find a job but here this fell into his lap he's like are you kidding this is this is my thing now at least yeah. at least till this gets boring or gets done like what the, what i'm gonna go to school i just learned your Uther right. goddamn pen drag i'm gonna follow you around Mm-hmm. and the hell do i need school for you think, now? you think i'm gonna go to class and like write essays when i know you're <laughs> off like you know saving the world come on that's, mm-hmm. that's madness so Raymer's awesome and uh i you know i guess i can't really ask your prediction i don't know if you remember at this time when you look back on it uh he's he's basically june offers Raymer. he's like you know i'd like to keep you out of it because people die near me and mm-hmm. uh you know i I don't know if I can tell you to leave. I just, I hope you can make your own choice. And mm-hmm. he says, all right, let me think about it. Um, and I, I don't know if Raymer wants to actually join in the front seat of this or not. Uh, now I that don't I'm- know about front seat, but I, my guess was that Raymer and Lissy were going to become a thing. And since Lissy obviously wants to be like an assassin for, uh, some powerful person and she just pledged her loyalty to Amaryllis. I figured that Lissy and Reamer would be like, I don't know the, the not, not quite right hand man, but kind of like the, 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 the second order people that you go to and tell them to do stuff. Uh, not part of the upfront party, but still involved in some way. Did Lissy say she wanted to be an assassin or just that she wanted to kill people? I mean, she's, she's not training to be like the mook that runs out in front with a gun. She's training to be a Uber top of the line, multi-mage which is someone that you you don't send them into just random battles you use them for the extremely extremely touchy things or you're the kind of person just rampages through a town like a gold mage you know um i guess yeah you could do that too but even then you, you don't want to necessarily use that rare of an asset for something like that when you could just do that with two tanks you know i suppose you're right i guess i i was trying to think of like if you want to learn murder magic, there's probably more subtle ways than, you know, screaming somebody to pieces. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it gets you out of a pinch, I guess. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, unless Raymer gets to be a companion and gets all the perks that come with it, he's not going to be able to join on the front lines. Right. Um, right. Solace just happens to be a badass. Uh, that's mm-hmm. why she gets to join, but uh, without being a companion, but Raymer's got a fragile squishy meat suit and no powers like mm-hmm. uh, he can be a great consult oh that was the funny thing was june was like we're not hiring actually i should check with amaryllis about that but <laughs> um, maybe, maybe they are hiring you know and he can he can be one of their uh consults for slytherin business or munchkinning munchkinning definitely it would be his strong suit yeah so we get an interlude with uh so best thing is she said at least no one had called her um, Palisade because her name is Palada Sade. And that was my first mm-hmm. thought was like Palisade Peaches. 
What what is Palisade Peaches? Palisade is a I think it's a town in Colorado. Now I'm going to sound stupid if I'm wrong, but they're okay. they're good. You can buy them like at farmers markets. Um, oh, I did not know. Let me see here. The Hyundai Palisade is a thing, isn't that? I mean, Palisade is a word. Yeah, it's a it's like a defensive structure. I only bring this up because I'm pretty sure. Oh yeah, it is in Colorado. Okay. Yeah. So they're not entirely uh, unpopular here, right? Well, I, I guess it goes to show you how many farmers markets I go to that I had no idea this was a thing. I, I've seen them in boxes. Somebody got me some at some point or something. Anyway, I knew they were, they were a thing. And I bring all this up because now we get to call Palada Princess Peach. I see. But weren't we already calling him her uh, Princess Bubblegum? Yeah, and that fits really well because she's pink. But Palada Sade, Palisade, Peaches. If we're talking about Princess Peach or Princess Bubblegum, then they're both her for now. I mean, not a lot of people live in Colorado and are familiar with the Palisade Peaches, right? Yeah, but, you know, you live here and weren't familiar with them either. It's an inside joke and it's for me, so. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Also, maybe we can uh, parlay this into a sponsorship. Yeah, I'm sure that they would just love <laughs> having to- like, what's that? You have dozens of listeners? <laughs> Tens of people across the internet, almost none of whom will buy your product or even could. <laughs> right. You know, they can survive, you know, traveling for days in the in you know a hot shipping container going across the country, right? Perfect. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe it could. I don't know about peach technology nowadays. I mean, the fact that stores are stocked with fruit tells me that you can transport it, but that's a fair point. But I imagine it's expensive if you're not doing it in bulk. Yeah. Well, anyways, um, she is thinking about her own life, uh, and this life is slightly off. She says. Which, um, I, I've had days like that where just everything feels off and nothing quite is clicking or feels right. And you're like, God, I, I just can't wait to go to sleep and for it to be tomorrow because today is off. Like sometimes I've even had a, like almost a week like that. It's, it's not great, but like having a whole life that's just slightly off, like, damn, man, that, that would be, that would be a drag. Yeah. You know, it, it would suck. I think what was, I don't know, because I've, I've had this thing like that with, you know, days or weeks. But if it's a whole life, you know, she lives to be like in her 80s. And she's 30-something thousand years old. And so, yeah. yeah, it would be a bit of a drag. But, like, that is less than a – I didn't math it out. But that's less than a long week, you know? Yeah. So, so it sucks. Probably. But, mm-hmm. you know, could, it, eh, she, she's in a unique circumstance. Um, yeah. Proportionally, not all that much for her. It's a week. It's What's uh, weird is, like – so we do get from the inside view how bad her memory is of like previous lives when she's not this old. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently it's really bad. She's, I also liked her thinking like, man, you know, when things went to shit, it's when I lost that hat. I had a cool yeah. hat once. I let me look like a, let, let me look like a human and blend in and mm-hmm. miss that hat, man. Everyone else on that mm-hmm. ship died and spent eternity in hell, but I was reborn like always, you know? Um, it reminded me of the witch skin hat from what we do in the shadows. <laughs> Which hat? This hat? Which <laughs> yes you know i haven't watched the show with subtitles but when he says which hat i mm-hmm. wonder if he's saying which hat question mark or like which as in witches which hat i i mean it's it's that's the pun right it's yeah. both it's, it's perfect yeah 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 i'm glad you like so it. i don't think the subtitles would really help you well i'm wondering which way they'd put it maybe they'd make I, like i don't know how much like directorial control they get over it but mm. I would if I was doing it. I would have him say it one way and then put the other way in parentheses, mm-hmm. like just just to make it perfectly clear that there was wordplay here. Yeah. yeah, but then like if someone's actually deaf and they're reading that, they're going to be confused. Like, why is the word there twice? 
I suppose. Well, anyways, yeah, yeah, too, too busy uh, yeah. philosophizing. There was one last thing on her whole life and circumstance that I wanted to think about, which was yes. um, this. So this was like a kind of an existential horror thing for me because she says that sometimes she has nothing lives. Uh, lives where nothing much happened, nothing was gained for the future, nothing learned or experienced. And Pileta had made peace with that, that sometimes some of her lives are just nothing lives. And like, I was very, like, that is my nightmare. That That is what I keep thinking life is going to be. What, and I'm trying to avoid that somehow desperately. And it just, it keeps stalking me. And I'm like, oh my God, I can't, oh, I can't believe she just has lives like that. And I guess it's not a big deal when you have many of them, but God, that's terrifying. You know, it, it would suck, but I don't think it's all bad. Like she, I mean, again, it's, it, it amounts to like a slow week. You know, yeah. For her, it's not that bad, but like, that's probably the majority of lives that are lived by humans, right? Um, across the history of Earth, are well across the history. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I think people still had meaning. You know, like nothing much gained for the future, nothing learned or experienced. Well, like the thing is, like all of our knowledge and experience either gets recorded and passed down, or recorded or passed down, or vanishes when we die. But like, you know, you, you still have fun. You make friends. You learn stuff but yeah but if like the 8 billion people alive right now how many of them do you think are going to be remembered in 200 years well i don't know if that's the point i don't even know if that's that's her point um like she's not thinking you know and i didn't make a name for myself and i wasn't famous she's just thinking like uh things weren't i don't know um nothing happened the life amounted to nothing really yeah you know like most lives she's like oh yeah i got good at you know i learned how to juggle you know this time or whatever right Mm -hmm. um but other times she doesn't get that sort of stuff. But I don't know. I I see where you're coming from, though. It's it's uh, we got to have that meaning of life double special bonus episode at some point. We do. The reason I keep pausing is because her circumstances is weird for like two intense reasons that make it like impossible to analyze. One is that she keeps she lives you know over and over. Um, mm-hmm. So it's kind of like being immortal. But the other like wrinkle in it that makes it really hard is that. She's like, what, 17? And she's feeling a little edgy and angsty. Like, she's 17, right? Yeah. She, she's, she's this, the, of course she's feeling this way. She's having hormones and all that stuff. And the fact that she's 30,000 years old, it doesn't matter because that's how her brain works. Well, I mean, I'm like, I'm 40. I'm still having hormones. It's not just hormones, is it? No, no, I don't, I don't mean it like that. But it, like, if, if she's, if she's feeling a little angsty about stuff, that could be part of it, right? Yeah. She's like, oh, you yeah. know, life's not fun. This, this is all weird, man. And like, she says that, you know, she's had lives like this before, but it's hard to know how much context she actually has because she, she talks about how she can't remember stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So it, like anything more than a decade back or a decade forward, she barely remembers, right? Yeah. So I'm not like disagreeing with her. It's more just like, isn't that interesting that like she, her own self-report of like her histories is so fuzzy, mm-hmm. but, um, oh, there, I remember the other thing about it too. This is not related to her existential angst, but it was, uh, maybe it was the life before this one. She had lived to 80 and she got to die a controlled death next to the person who had gotten pregnant so that she could be born or that she could give birth to Pallida, mm-hmm. which seems to suggest that when Pallida dies, she gets to, you know, haunt Arab as a disembodied shade and find a womb to hijack. Huh? Okay. Yeah. I mean, that is, that, that is not how I, read it but that is definitely a a 
completely in line with the text. What I had, what I had assumed was that like when she dies, she jumps into whatever the nearest person giving birth is. Uh, and so there was someone who was right next to her. And once she starts going into labor, that's when she's like, Oh, okay. Time to go. And offs herself. Uh, proximity was my other guess. I don't know if I put that in my notes or not. Um, yeah. cause I wrote down my whole thing of like, Oh, I just like to imagine her like, you know, looking around for like a good host womb or something, but yeah, yeah it could, yeah. it could just legit be like, where's the nearest pregnant person. But I mean, but you're, you make a good point. It could be something like where she does get to float around for, I don't know, some period of time and pick one out. And that would, I mean, having someone picked out beforehand being like, Hey, here's a whole bunch of money. Take care of me real good until I'm 10 would be quite a, quite a boon. And well, and it was also a friend apparently. Okay. You know, I think that's what Even you said. That, like that. Yeah. So it wasn't just like a, a business arrangement. It was a friend of hers. And so what a cool situation. I get why that life yeah. felt nice to her. Right. Um, you yeah. got off on, on a great footing. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're probably right. It probably is the closest. That makes a lot more sense because otherwise the Renee Sim could spend some time in limbo like that, and they never talk about it. Um, yeah, but yeah, fun stuff. Um, where does this end up with her? Oh yeah, she's looking for the uh, the thieves guild black market. Yes. All right, my money is um, on. She's. I don't know if she'll come back from an off screen adventure with something cool, or if she's going to get into some shit and need rescuing. I hope she comes back with a witch hat. That'd be fun. That would be great. You know, it it could be that they'll end up in the same place at the same time. You know, maybe she'll end up in prison and she'll be right next to the ethics, ethics instructor. Um, maybe Ooh. she like will kick in the door when June is having an adventure somewhere underneath the school or something. Cause she's there to yeah. steal stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want it to be one of those things where they just happen to be in the same spot, but that would be, this would be a perfect setup for that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Or she just shows up and like everyone's, you know, beaten up after a week long adventure. And she's like, Oh, I got this cool stuff. Especially if that cool stuff could have solved whatever problem they just spent the week struggling with. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah. All right. I got. I got to see how this shakes out. Yeah. Yeah. But speaking of shaking things out. Oh, perfect. Uh, <laughs> um, the the they're talking about hand jobs again, and Bethel uh, asks, "Wait a minute, did Hermione give Ron a hand job?" And Valencia says that it's implied in the text. And I was stopped short by that. I was like, okay, I admit I stopped reading halfway through the fourth book, so I didn't get to the point where they were sexually active, but I thought I would have known about it if it was implied in the text. They were never sexually active. Well, I mean... no, I mean, oh, like, in, apparently, in, it's implied in the text. Well, Val is <laughs> desperate to. to she, she's desperate to read uh, smut into anything that she can. Um, that could be. She could be like, you know, one of those fanfic readers that's just like, oh yeah, smut everywhere. Yeah. But she had her explanation is that um, the books were written for children, and that uh, that's why it couldn't be published in the books. But given that sexual curiosity is completely normal in the early and late teens. Their close proximity with one another, their history of dating each other, yes, it is implied. The lack of explicit sexual activity probably has more to do with the marketing of the books and the social mores of both the author and audience. And by the way, is it social mores or social mores? More, I believe. Okay, because I, I, I think I've heard both, but then I'm like worried I might be confusing it with that's a more rather than than an actual word. You know, maybe I should. I'm fine always hearing it both ways. Episode. Like, yeah. I, I'm fine saying to people, I've heard it both ways, like really no matter what the word is, mm. just because, you know, if we both know what we're saying, that's all that matters. But this kind of like sort of threw me for a loop because it basically she's saying that, like, look, obviously teens that are having a lot of close proximity and uh, have histories of dating and there's just like 
it's it's obvious that there was at least one hand job somewhere in there. So it is implied just by the fact that they're close like that, uh, and 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 sexual beings that there was a hand job. And I'm like, that was not my experience at all. And why is it that everybody in high school was having so much more sex than me? Apparently, <laughs> because I did not have any sex or hand jobs or anything in high school. You know, I feel left out. I I'm pretty sure that there is no subtext. Like what the subtext is that Val is reading into is they were teenagers, yeah. Um, which yeah, fair. But like sh- she's inferring from that the case for her argument here. Um, mm-hmm. I I mean. Maybe you know I'm I'm bad at subtext. I was probably worse when I read these books, but like it it was you know just like them using the bathroom was implied. You know it was literally never yeah. ever talked about, um, okay. except for the one time they found the chamber of secrets in the bathroom. <laughs> so <laughs> right, like I don't know. Um, why did I bring that up to fight with Val? Because what point is she trying to make here? That's why I brought this up. She was. Uh, I think her point is that if there's teenagers in close proximity you can just assume there's going to be some sexual activity and to assume otherwise is silly i suppose so um which is where i came up with the hey wait a minute what about me thing uh well i mean you know it i guess harry is a celebrity and ron is his friend you know i doubt everybody um, in hogwarts was getting off i i mean yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it was a silly thing to bring up anyway. No, Shall we, I, I I wanted to talk about hand jobs. So, well, you're good. Uh, don't sweat it. <laughs> cool. So, right. before we get there, there's a nice little beat. Um, June sits down and looks at Valencia and says, "Am I just pushing him away because of stupid reasons?" And she gives him a loyalty increase. Yeah, you know, he he still trusts her judgment, and you know, is asking her a personal question about his life, and I think that that meant a lot to her. I think also the fact that he is implicitly saying look at me with a demon or look at me with a devil right now. Mm. And that, that the fact that he's asking for that, you know, is, is a big deal to Valencia. I didn't read it that way. I thought he was asking Valencia, not asking the spawn of Satan. Well, no, he's asking Valencia, but he's like saying, I need to know something about my own motivations. And I know you have a magic power that can show you those things. So, uh, please use it on me right now. I don't know if he needs to know his own motivations. He says, am I pushing away for stupid reasons? Like that's, right. that's, that's it's a rhetorical weird. question, you know, like his, his own reasons is like, I want to keep him safe, you know, like that's not a stupid reason. There's nothing, there's nothing to it. Um, I don't think that a, that a demon looking at or a devil looking at him and knowing his true motivations will reveal anything. Uh, well, I mean, I think that's, that's the point. Like wanting to keep him safe isn't a stupid motivation. So, so when he's asking that, he's like, is there a secret motivation? Like I'm secretly jealous of his hand job getting skills <laughs> <laughs> or, or something, you know, Maybe. or I still resent him for not being the one who actually died instead of Arthur or something like that. I see. Yeah. That, you know, or he's a reminder of home or something, you know, and that, that shouldn't, be, yeah. that shouldn't be a good enough reason. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And then, then your thing that it was implying that, Hey, look at me with, with Satan eyes. Um, I didn't read it that way. I thought he was asking, asking Val, the person, not Val, the, the demon vessel. I didn't read it that way either until she blinked and he got a loyalty level up. And that was when I was like, Oh, I thought she blinked in surprise, he, like surprise of being well, asked a question about, you know, Hey, talk to me. Um, the interesting they, thing they is have, they haven't had like their heart to heart either yet. way. Yeah. Yeah. Like you can, it, it can be read either way, which is really, I think it's a sign of good writing that we can both either one of us could be right. Yeah. 
just like like one of us is right about uh, Lissy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But we're both right about handjobs being awesome. Yeah. Well, I mean, assuming that the police don't need to get involved, you know, friction burn and stuff. You know, that, that's, that's oh, what this yeah, department yeah, exists yeah. for. So. Oh, thank God. You you guys are here doing the Lord's work. Doing doing <laughs> Satan's work every day. <laughs> it's not easy, but someone's got to do it. Um, yeah. So they're trying to shove him into the Hogwarts. You know, oh, no, she's Hermione and he's Ron. And Amaryllis is like, no. And Bethel's like, I'm interested. And Bethel's obviously just doing it to annoy Amaryllis. Um, mm. And then the handjob talk comes up. I bring this up. Actually, it's better if I don't figure out exactly how it came up because the line is from Bethel, we should do handjob inquisitions more often. I just put obligatory, no one expects the handjob inquisition. Ha-ha! Ha-ha! It came out of left field. Yes, it did. Uh, trying to do a came out of left field pun, but it's not, nothing's coming to me. It do, uh, doesn't always land. There we go. You, you sometimes aim one way and it just doesn't land there. Um... I should cut that. That was bad. Well, yeah, I was saying that sometimes you look for a jo- look for a segue and nothing happens. <laughs> nice. See, that's much better. Well, no, I've, I was I was just trying to make a, a statement of fact. I wasn't trying to segue. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't trying to imply that sometimes you're you're trying to get a hand job and and nothing quite happens. Oh no, that's hilarious. That works. Yeah, that's what I ever thought you were trying to say. That like you know, after twenty minutes, you just kind of give up because you're like, okay, obviously this isn't happening today. <laughs> Put it away. Yeah, all right. This not 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 this one. Yeah. So he, here is where I sort of shifted on the I, idea of uh, of Lissy and what was happening uh, because Valencia says after they like uh, look at the replay, which Bethel assures them is like extremely high fidelity and highly accurate. Uh, Valencia says, looking at it with the devil's eyes, she knows herself well enough to know that seduction isn't likely to work. And I thought, oh, like that level of self-awareness that Lissy has, again, is striking. That like, she just knows she's not any good at that. And she's she's not going to be able to pull off seduction or it isn't likely to work anyway. And then I thought, Oh, unless it's because Val is saying that she has a deep amount of self loathing. So she doesn't think anyone would ever be seduced by her, which is, you know, then, then I feel sad for her and feel even more empathetic towards her. It's weird. I love these weeks where like we read two different books. <laughs> um, Cause I, I, I took it to mean that like she knows seduction won't work because there's only so far that playing with Raymer's dick will get her when it comes to like getting him to, you know, work, you know, as her man rather than be his own person, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that could be it as well. But I was, I was confused about what you meant when it's like, if she's not a good seductress, what does that have to do with self-hatred? Like, yeah, because she, she considers herself so innately unlovable uh, that, Obviously, no seduction attempt would ever work. So, but it did. I mean, she she's like, "Hey, can I can I grab your dick for a while?" And he said, "Yes." Like, assuming well, she even you, asked. You, yeah, you can. One of the things about self loathing is that you can be wrong. Like, you think you're an awful, unlovable person, and everybody else doesn't think that, but you still think that afterwards. So you're wrong about the seduction not working, but you still think it's not likely to work. Uh, I, I see. I, maybe I'm reading too much into seduction. I, I meant it. I, I think of it more like in. Uh, you know, James Bond, you know, sleeping your way into the enemy's camp or something, right? Yeah, but but like if you, it has nothing to do with being lovable. It has it has a lot no. to do with being a conniving, you know, deceiving person. It, I mean, the most important thing when trying to seduce your way in is to be desirable in some way. 
Yeah. And if you hate yourself, you assume you are not desirable. I have no reading of Lizzie that says that she dislikes that she that she thinks little of herself. She thinks much of herself. Yeah, I mean, I I don't. She might be. She might be. She might be compensating. Sure. You know. Yeah. But I, I mean, I don't get that one much of, of a those... character from her. Yeah, I, I I don't know if that's actually the case. It's just one of those things that when I read it, I was like, oh, that that could be the case. And in that case, I feel really sad for her. I think what is more likely, although I I like that self loathing um idea of mine, and I'm probably going to keep it as headcanon. But what I think is more likely is just that she knows herself so well that like she knows she doesn't do human emotions. She has like maybe some outrage and some anger and some excitement, but she can't feel empathy for people. And so she knows that she's not ever going to be any good at seducing. She's going to be good at killing and maybe she'll get lucky now and then and hand job her way into a vital position, but it's certainly not her forte. So that is why I think ultimately she, she knew her, she knows herself well enough to know that seduction isn't likely to work is just an objective assessment of her abilities and her being like, yep, I have zero skill points in that. So probably won't work, but what the hell? Give it a shot is, is what's most likely in my opinion. Yeah, I, it could be, um, I, uh, I didn't give it that deep of a reading. I think Val says something along the lines of like, you know, her going straight for Raymer in that fashion could be that she had some existing fetish or pattern of behavior or whatever, or commitment to mm-hmm. that course of action. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so her saying, oh yeah, well, you know, she knows the seduction would, w- wouldn't work. Um, it could just be, that could be like in the Grackian sense, right? Where yeah. it's like, look, I'm a six, right? And I don't feel bad. I don't feel bad about that, but that's the case, right? I'm not going to be sleeping my way into the White House. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah. may- maybe that's where where Lizzie's at, and where or rather where Val's assessment of Lizzie's self esteem is. I also like when they were um, uh, speculating on Lizzie, like she's just been in a place where basically they they were segregated by sex and couldn't fraternize with the opposite sex at all. And uh, what was it, quills and Clocks? Quills and clocks. Yeah. Quills and blood. Was it quills and blood? Yeah. Oh, okay. It was quills and blood then. And um Because it was the was that's like, where yeah, she um, learned to be a blood mage. That's right. Yeah. And yeah, uh she was like, Yeah, obviously there was all the lesbian stuff, but she hasn't ever touched a dick, so she probably just like wanted to get some experience in that. And she was like, Oh hey, Raymer, you're you're a you have a dick, and it sounds like you would like to get it touched. Can I play with it and see how this goes? Like again. Not much in the way of any sort of human emotions, but just curiosity as to how this thing works and wanting to try it out. And that felt very lissy to me. You know, if it wouldn't have, that wouldn't have made, that wouldn't have landed for me at all uh, until you've laid out like your case of what kind of person you think she is. And that makes sense. And so that also is consistent with what Raymer said. And he's like, I don't know, it just happened because she doesn't want to explain that's exactly what she said. Right. right he's like it was yeah. super fucking weird she was like i've never seen a dick before can i play with yours and then you know she just kept playing with it like <laughs> you know th- that's a that's not a very good story so he's just like i don't know it just happened yeah hand jobs just happen man yeah what you need a license or something not you yet some kind of fee <laughs> cool um but yeah speaking of hand jobs bethel wants to give a hand job yeah she wants to apply for a license <laughs> And um, she yeah, she starts she, this conversation with him while he's at the table, but like in his head. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. he's still trying to talk with people, and you know she wouldn't have to pull down his pants to do it either. You know that's true. She's Bethel, yeah. So you know, I, at least she asked. Mm-hmm. You know, she did just grab it before. Remember? Yes. Although before she was like trying to like um, 
threaten him or something. Right. Yeah. Whereas now she's actually trying to seduce him or whatever. But yeah, she she asks him like right there in front of everyone, are you turning me down then? Which is where I was like, oh, this is like I thought I was being kind of pervy when they were going down that line of, of reasoning because obviously Bethel, she's a house. She doesn't care about sex. But then she says, are you turning me down? And I was like, oh, no, I, I guess I was reading that correctly. And uh, then they warp to the other room and they start to negotiating about that achievement. It still wasn't clear, you know, when she was saying, are you turning me down? Like that could still be just playing around, right? It um, could be, yeah. So uh, it became it, much more clear once she teleported. Yeah, exactly. Once they sit down and have a real talk. But up until that yeah. point, you know, this was just straight up kind of like, you know, Fen humor. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I loved your comment. Which one? Sigh. He's going to have to fuck this house. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sigh. Unzips. All right. Where, where, where do I put it? <laughs> In the Actually, outlet? an interesting question yeah. with Bethel. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, they talk for a while about why June doesn't want to do this with Bethel. And he says, ultimately what he says, what it comes down to is that the idea that you'd be touching me and that it would be no more pleasurable for you than touching a piece of wet cardboard. I guess for me, that would be worse than nothing. Even if there was a physical response. And then Bethel says, you understand that's what it would be like for her. Don't you? Uh, by which I'm assuming we can all uh, assume she means Amy. Uh, and I mean, yeah, like, June, has he not thought about this? Like, if he wants a relationship with with Amaryllis, which it seems he does, he's going to have to get comfortable getting over his Midwestern values and have an open relationship. I didn't get that reading from it at all. I'm really curious how he got there. Like, I don't think Bethel brought that up because Amaryllis is overflowing with sexual desire and can't be satiated by one man. Like, no, 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 no. It's the exact opposite. That if if they were to have sex, uh, Amaryllis would getting as much pleasure out of it as she would be as if she were touching a piece of wet cardboard nah i i think that they're being too hard on amaryllis there and so i I knew that that's what they're talking about but it didn't it didn't really land for me you know it she has romantic feelings for him like she has romantic feelings but i think she came out as asexual earlier right oh yeah i you know this is and maybe they'll explore it in more detail later in the story because in my model of like human sexual interaction you know if you like your partner and you're helping them get off you're having fun right you know that, right. that's that's like what makes uh you can do what do you call it when you're doing hand stuff at the same time with the other person um, yeah, yeah yeah but mutual so, masturbation right but you can do you know uh, you can do just hand jobs and it's still fun well yeah but you can do it one person at a time and it's still fun right yeah because yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. enjoy that they're having a good time you know totally like I mean, that's why oral sex is great, right? I mean, I think someone who has a sex drive would enjoy and appreciate that. But I'm assuming if you don't have a sex drive, then it's no different than like, I don't know, giving someone a finger massage. Maybe. Yeah, I, I guess it could be. Um, I Which, I mean, I, it's, it's still, you know, it can be nice to give someone a massage and make them feel better. And you're happy that they feel better, but you don't get any any sort of sexual thing out of it necessarily i mean especially if you're asexual right i suppose you're right this is all complicated by the fact that i'm not asexual so i'm just assuming that it means without sexual desire which is how i have heard it defined i mean that's what the word means but sometimes people use words to that mean things for things that they don't mean so it is very confusing um what's interesting though is that you know we're, we're speculating about amaryllis but Bethel doesn't even deny the fact. 
like that's the weird thing about her situation here is that she's like oh yeah no i just i'm maybe i'm just curious you know or she says maybe i want to make you happy which is the same sort of motivation that amarillo's might have right what's funny or interesting is that june then says uh he says, yeah, maybe to be determined to be determined by what is, is he just like assuming that that sort of relationship with Amaryllis is, is uh, forthcoming. This is Eniash. At this point, we had some technical difficulties and lost about three and a half minutes of audio. Basically, I said that I strongly agreed with Bethel that June didn't want to sleep with her in large part because he would rather not have to explain that to Amaryllis later. That the anticipated future pain of having to explain just what did go down between him and Bethel was not worth the anticipated pleasure of an encounter with her. After that, there were a whole bunch of handjob jokes and headcanon jokes, and they were really funny, but they will exist only in mine and Steven's memories for the rest of time. Sorry. You know, that, that could be it. I think you used the word, that's my headcanon, like three times this week, which isn't bad. It's just that you've you've got your, like, this is what I think is happening. And part of me thinks that you're loading your headcanons a little early, though. Like, I don't think we have enough information. People need to know we have an audio hiccup. I think I had said it's important to keep lots of loads ready because you never know when you need to be ready. You never know. You might have to fire at a moment's notice. All right. I'm sad. My laughter was not recorded, but it was good joke. Alas. That's all right. So I don't know which take we'll have on this line, but I don't know if you heard me say it. So uh, I I think the other thing, you know, so I might be having to explain to Amaryllis, but... I do think that the prospect of having of fucking a murder house that you believe your not dead best friend may have previously coerced into gratifying him sexually is probably a bit of a boner killer. Yeah, that's a damned good point, and probably actually the real biggest part of the reason. Yeah, I mean, you know, I suppose, but it's not like he can't meditate himself into a relaxed state, and she can come to him looking however he wants her to, and she can. Stim- stimulate him in all the ways you know that this could be fun but could. if only she didn't start off you know so abrade you know so, so many rough edges you know this this could be something to look forward to but they have had such a rocky start <laughs> yeah but you know maybe that's how things uh ever everyone uh comes together <laughs> and so to say speak uh, of course yeah yes you know, wasn't a turn of phrase at all I, I do really like what she says here. She says um, that the reason she came to him with this is that I trust that you would do your best to be honest with me and to soften the blow, to tell me what I was doing wrong, how I could improve, that you would take my feelings on the matter into consideration. You would be nice. And I that was just very touching to me. That's, that is how sex should always be. And, you know, I felt hearts for June that she said that. And I feel kind of, I kind of feel for Bethel now too. It's, she's she's being vulnerable and wanting to explore a new thing. And June is the person that she wants to explore it with because he is kind. And that's great. You know, major high five for pointing out that's the sex, how all sex should be. Uh, I I just couldn't get past the facts like that. You know, why is she, why is this house so obsessed with dick? Like, you know, she wants to practice dick handling. So, you know, someone that she can trust to get honest feedback so she can get really good at it. Like, no. I guess she wants to be a good house, but like, you know, <laughs> It it just seems like a weird motivation. I she, so here's the thing. I had to stop modeling her as a person because she's you know a psychopathic murder monster. So I'm uh-huh. like, okay, she's a, she's a misunderstood house. Yeah, and like, okay, let's go with her from that angle. But then she's just you know like tapping her fingers impatiently. She wants people to treat her like a person. She wants to play with genitals. Like, okay, so what's your deal, house? You know what what's going on here? <laughs> 
I mean, I think you said it very you said it very well that she's got this whole Pinocchio complex where she wants to be a real person and part of being a real person is forming sexual attachments with other people, right? Or well, intimate suppose, attachments at any rate, which often turn sexual. Yeah, I suppose you're not wrong. You know, it it is it surprises me, but uh I guess we'll see how it shakes out. The reason this house is so obsessed with Dick is because humans are so obsessed with Dick, and she wants to be a human. That's uh I think you're probably right. That makes sense. Uh, I mean, I only thought of it just now because of you pointing all this out. So you get the credit for this one. Well, together we're, we're coming on a solution here. So, cool. Um, all right. This, this is great. She's, uh, um, he, oh, she's like, okay, well, do you want to go back? Amaryllis wants to talk to you. And she does say, remember the offer. If you're ever in the mood, nudge, nudge. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and then he's like, sure. Thanks for the pep talk. Anytime kiddo. <laughs> and I'm like, what's she like? Just, you know, lightly punches him on the shoulder. You betcha slugger. Like <laughs> what, what that, that left turn in dialogue totally got me. I, I, I laughed out loud there again too. It was cool. There was just such a pivot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anytime kiddo. What? You were just yeah. trying to get in my pants. That's such a weird thing to say. <laughs> you know, back off, break the tension, ease things down again, make a joke. Yeah. No, totally. It, it worked. It made the joke and it put all that behind, but it was just funny. Yeah. Um, then June gets to show back up and totally flex his awesome social skills that he was patting himself on the back for earlier. Yeah. Uh, says, are you gonna tell me what that was about? And he says, Oh, just stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well played. Nailed it. <laughs> yeah. Nice. 10 out of 10 right there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he does not get into it. He does not tell Amaryllis what it was about. No, not yet. Anyway. Um, Oh, but they, uh, everyone else apparently went off to bed. So I guess they were out talking. He's talking with Bethel for a while. That's the funny thing with like books in general. You like never have any idea how long things take. Yeah. Um, which is fine. It's just how things go. But like that conversation, if two actors were doing it, would take maybe 90 seconds. Yeah. It wouldn't take very long, but two, three minutes. I don't know. Yeah. But you know, there, there was enough probably pauses and stuff that, it, you know, he didn't want to write. And then there was a pause, you know, and, or whatever. So, any real um, conversation of that magnitude between p- two people would probably take at least 15 minutes. I mean, there'd also be a more words said than just this, but yeah, it wouldn't be like a short thing probably. Yeah. Maybe it was truncated too. Yeah. Or, you know, I mean, maybe, you, maybe they were all tired and then they saw June get teleported and Bethel said, we're off going to have a talk. And they're like, great, I'm going to bed. You yeah. Um, I love the note she gave. She, she was writing to Bethel. Please don't kill June. <laughs> yeah. Sure, like, so there's no reply. It's three different lines. It just took Jay for a private talk. Bring him back when you're finished from Amaryllis in one piece, please. <laughs> like, I imagine that like five minutes went by between each line. Yeah. Oh, please, please don't be killing him. Yeah. She's like, um, oh, fuck. I should have said, please. No. Oh, no. I'm, if I said, bring him back in one piece when you're finished, that sounds like an order. And she hates that from me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, anyway, no one gets a chance to rest because they gotta, uh, they're going to go find their ethics professor. Or they find June's are. ethics professor. Yes. Which, good on him. I thought, you know, he, he didn't act interested. Well, he he remarked the mystery, but he didn't act like he was going to solve this problem. But I think he's on the same track as I am. Like, there's obviously something weird going on here. Yeah. So we're going to go break into the jail and see what's up with her. We are. And we're going to do that in chapter 150. Fuck yeah. Uh, because... Because the next three chapters, uh, the next chapters we're going to be reading are the next three, uh, 150 through 152, 
Those are 150, then one innocent suffer, 151, the mind's eye, and 152, the time to talk. Damn, these all sound fun. Yeah. Oh, dude. Hmm. What if, uh, what's this place called? The town? Like Oli or something? Or Leo? Yeah, Leo. What if it's like an Omelas situation? Where there's one person being tortured? Yeah. Oh, where they have to kill one demon-blooded every year? The one innocent to suffer. Uh, maybe they're innocent every year and they just make it demon bloods because they can make a plausible case that they're bad people anyway so they have to kill one innocent every year in order to keep their whatever going it kind of makes me wonder what their whatever is yeah like this place isn't exactly like a paradise you know it's just a city right maybe some stupid tradition that they like think is the thing mm-hmm. um the mind's or eye maybe- oh sorry go ahead or I was going to say, or maybe it's actually preventing the destruction of the world because this is Arab. <laughs> you know, that's the thing is it's definitely a coin flip. Um, yeah. And so the, the mind's eye, maybe that's going to be them fighting Freddy Krueger mm. and the time to talk that, you know, that sounds like time chamber conversation, but it, it could also be like something super serious and awesome. Um, what was the meeting with the DM called? That was like rule zero. That's what it was. Yeah. So Time to talk. I don't think it sounds like another rule zero thing, but rule zero is a fairly innocuous sounding rule or chapter, right. unless you might know what that means. So anyway, sounds like three very exciting chapters coming up, which I'm eager to get to. So hell to the yes. Uh, so we will do that next week uh, when we return to talk about all this stuff in our podcast called Not Everything is a Clue. I'm, I'm messing this up. Uh, but you can support this podcast uh, by following the links that are here in your podcast stuff notes what do they call those doesn't matter you know what to do if you want to give us money and in the episode description in the episode description thank you and uh and you also know that that would make us very happy so yay please do that but we are not the only people that need to be made that could use happiness in this time of cheer of the year steven help me out here i'm drowning yeah this is this is rough i I don't even think I can throw you a life raft on this. I'll just, you oh, know, no. I'm going to sail away and just mention, oh. just shout a, a fond thank you to Alexander Wales for writing this this book or having a fun time. Uh, I should have said making this game. We're just playing it. Fuck. You know, let's both end. <laughs> let's just crash and burn here on the end. All right. This, this is over. We, we're going. Bye. <laughs> Jiff, 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 jiff.